Melissa. Yes? It's time for season five. Yay! Parenthood Pals. We are the Parenthood Pals. Oh, yeah. We are the Parenthood Pals. Wow. Ah, I'm kidding. That was such a good pop to it. I didn't know you had that ability. Just right there, right there. I don't know what you're talking about. I would like to thank special guest Bob Dylan. <laughs> oh, you're right. I'm sorry. He was hiding in your in your bathroom, and now he's out. I it mean, was... season three, we had Dax Shepard and Joy Bryant, <laughs> Lauren Graham on the podcast. That's right. Who now would doubt? Season five. No. Oh gosh, hold on. What? What's with all the squealing? Oh, Caleb, um, <laughs> Mark came out and said, what's with all, what's the, with sque- all the squealing? I heard that. I heard you. <laughs> he, always does a brand- <laughs> he always does a brand new theme song for the season premiere, uh-huh. and he did a Bob Dylan impersonation. <laughs> it was really wonderful. Uh, <laughs> Yay. He had to know. He had to know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, it is season five. How did we get here? One through four, and then five came next. That's how. I guess that is how numbers work. <laughs> We're in the final third. I know. That feels crazy. 22 episodes. We've got a big one here. Yes. Yes. This one <laughs> will take us a while. It, it will. will. It will. Yes. By the time we wrap up this season, where will our lives be? Six plus months in the future. They're already in different places. I'm working much more actively than I have at any other point in this podcast. By the time anyone is listening to this podcast, I will be in Florida working on a show that I was supposed to be doing in 2020. I was in Florida when the whole world shut down. Do you feel like you're going to close the portal by doing this and everything's going to be normal again? I hadn't even thought of that. But now, dear God, I hope so. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be really good. I'll go back to where things went off course and I'll write them. (laughs) That's right. Get Christopher Lloyd to help if you can. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's Parenthood Season 5, Episode 1. It has to be now. It was written by Jason Kadams, directed by Lawrence Trilling. It originally aired on September 26th, 2013 which was the first episode of the series to air on Thursday. Ooh, I forgot that it went to Thursdays. That's right. Oh, because you were like, should we start releasing them on Thursdays? I wondered that too. Yeah. But I think we're just going to leave them on Tuesdays. It feels like that's our podcast's thing. Yeah. And when I think about Parenthood, I think about Tuesday night. I do too. Yes. Anyway. And here is the TV Guide synopsis. Ooh, switching it up. I was a little dissatisfied with the DVD synopses. I'm sad that I can't find those NBC publicity synopses anymore because those were the best. I feel like they were a little bit longer than like just a nutshell, Mm -hmm. but not so long that it was a recap. Yeah. So let's see what you think of the TV Guide synopsis. The Bravermans are enamored with Jasmine and Crosby's new baby as the fifth season opens. Meanwhile, Christina takes on a new fight after being declared cancer-free. Joel and Julia deal with challenges. Hank moves back to town. <laughs> and Amber's soldier boyfriend comes home. 
It sounds like you bumped on the same <laughs> word I did. Challenges. Face challenge, deal with challenges. That's, you know, conflict, which is the essence of any drama. And life. But yeah. what if there was a synopsis yeah. where it said like, Drew faces no challenges. <laughs> Drew just sits in his dorm room and feels fine. It's a compelling hour of television. <laughs> I would probably watch it. Well, we didn't really have cliffhangers from season four, but there were lots of signs of things to come. Mm -hmm. I thought we would start with one of those, which is Jasmine announcing that she was pregnant. Yeah. First of all, let's get some timeline yes. straight here. So the season four finale was late January. Okay. And the judge even said in Victor's adoption yeah. on this, the 24th of January, I believe that was the date. So, that is when we last saw the Bravermans. Mm -hmm. 2013. 2013. Okay. And Jasmine told Crosby in that episode that she was pregnant. So I'm guessing she had to at least have been like a month along. I'm guessing at least, yeah. Bare minimum. Bare minimum. To know for sure. So we should be at least eight months later, yeah. which would be August, September. So that tracks when this episode aired on September 26th. And Drew is in college now. I mean, mm -hmm. is it? He dropped at that Marx class. He's not <laughs> yeah. getting ready to go to school. He's, He's there. in school. So that wouldn't be summer. But then Amber says in one scene, it's going to be a long summer. Oh. And I, so I think that was probably maybe just a little goof. Yeah. Or maybe it's the tail end of summer and somehow Drew already started classes. And I guess Crosby does say to Jasmine that the baby is a little early. Okay. Yeah. Three weeks. Three Which is early. not a lot, but yeah. is not nothing either. Could Drew have taken a summer class or two? Maybe. I don't really know how that works. Yeah. I, I wouldn't think that an incoming freshman no. could take summer classes, but what do I know? But anyway, Jasmine is about to pop. I think that's an interesting way to show the passing of time, and that is not the first time they've done that. You know, like Christina, they did that as well between two and three. True. That was my little observation. I appreciated... The show Parenthood for giving us a woman heading to the hospital without a dramatic water-breaking situation. Yeah. I know that I've complained about that before. So I just want to acknowledge that, you know, the show doesn't always do that. Yeah. And she just felt contractions. It's like, I think it's time. And I like that Great. Crosby was like, oh, probably not. I bet it's Braxton Hicks. And she was like. Yeah, I'm right, and that she was right. <laughs> I just really enjoyed that the show rewarded the woman knowing her own body. Uh, not that I've ever been pregnant. I don't know. TV has taught me that Braxton Hicks feel exactly like real contractions, but I literally have no idea. So, <laughs> yeah. But Jasmine does. Yeah, Jasmine knows. Tonally, I felt like Jasmine's delivery was somewhere between like Zoe, Christina. This is going to kill me, and I'm going to die. Sorry. And that teacher from Sydney's school. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, oh my God, mother freaking damn hell crap bastard. I hate him. I hate my husband. I hate him so much. I, I wondered that. I wrote in my notes, I was like, why did they make her delivery like weirdly funny? Like, you know, her going into the hospital wasn't. Yeah, I, I, did, I did wonder that. I'm not sure if I know the answer. Me too. And, you know, it wasn't silly. No. Like the teacher. But it wasn't a big tent pole of the episode. I mean, I think they were eager to maybe just get to the baby. Yeah. But they couldn't not show the delivery. 
I felt a little shortchanged on like Jasmine and Crosby's behalf. Yeah. But I was more fascinated by the fact that before this podcast, I'm not sure I had ever really formulated my full opinion around how labor is sometimes portrayed in movies and TV. Yeah. And I really don't like when it's played for laughs. Yeah. It really, like, I I just find it distasteful, I think. It's not that I don't want any humor within that situation. Like, I immediately thought of Rachel's birth on Friends. Yeah. I thought there's a lot of comedy there, but the comedy was not, oh, gosh, look how much pain she's in. Right. She was impatient because she wasn't dilating and people were coming and going. That and, was funny. I liked that. And, you know, Ross, I need you to stay at my head. I guess that was when she was getting examined. But still, stuff like that. Where, okay, yeah, you can laugh at, at things around it, but it's not like, ha, 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 you're screaming because you're in excruciating pain. Yeah. I don't know. And Call me a stick in the mud. I don't think it's funny. No. I think it's beautiful and difficult. And I don't want to laugh at someone going through it. I agree. I I never really thought much of it. But boy, if I ever had to make like a list of 10 least favorite moments, Sydney's teacher giving birth might be one of them. Like just the the cringy, like fake cussing and (laughs) like laughing at a woman in pain. Yeah, the whole thing felt very silly and not like the right brand of humor for parenthood. Yeah, I didn't like it. And Jasmine's was not egregious. I no. Mean, really, it was just the music. Choice, the music I was think. like lighthearted. Like, yeah, yeah, it made it feel like boom, 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 here we go. And she's <laughs> screaming. Yeah. <laughs> but that was really kind of it. I don't think we were supposed to think it was funny. I am realizing the shortchanged part that I'm feeling isn't really the labor scene itself, but. I did mention before that this is similar to how they showed the passage of time with Christina, but Christina didn't give birth until, what, episode five of season three? And so we got some storylines with her being pregnant, and we really don't with Jasmine and Crosby, which I'm now realizing is a bit of a shame, because what must that have been like for both of them? Wouldn't this have reminded them of last time when Jasmine tried to call Crosby and he wasn't there? So what does it really look like for him to be there this time? And that just feels like a very um, natural way to bring up some old wounds, but like it could be healing. It wouldn't have to be portrayed as, you know, super painful or anything. But I just think, oh man, we only get really her announcing she's pregnant in the finale and then one scene of them shopping in the premiere. And those are, that's it for her being pregnant. That's kind of too bad. It would be more significant with them than say Adam and Christine. Yeah, absolutely. We've done this twice before. And they yeah, were both there. Uh, yeah. And how would Renee maybe fold into that with yeah. all the stuff that was going on with her? I felt Renee's absence in this episode. I did too. They're like they just had a newborn, and Renee is nowhere in sight. Yeah. That doesn't seem like the Renee I know, or Seku even. Like, yeah. I would expect Seku to be around sometime or referenced. Oh, my brother sent over a blah 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 blah. I yeah. Don't know. Yeah, no, totally. Well, and then I thought it was really interesting when the Bravermans were there for like, I don't know, hours. <laughs> I, I thought, is that on brand for that? I keep saying on brand. That's my word of season five. But like, why did they do that? Why wouldn't they just drop by, stay a bit and leave? 
Although, is that what they do every time? I'm trying to remember with Nora. I know that Christina felt very overwhelmed, so I guess that's similar. But I guess I just hadn't imagined that they stayed all day with Christina. I felt just like it was intrusive ju them just stopping by to see the baby. When, when they're just like fixing themselves up a meal and just making themselves at home while Jasmine is obviously upset, I was yeah. like, what are you doing? I, I don't know. Well, and Sarah says to Amber at some point, should we go? I think we should go. Yeah. And I wrote in my notes, I think Sarah is right. I think they should go and leave <laughs> the new parents alone. Yes. I think that was actually very courteous of Sarah. Yeah. Rather than like, oh, forget you. Yeah. I also, I oddly loved seeing Crosby get ticked at his own family in that scene. Yeah. And, and they're all suggesting names. He's like, well, maybe you can just all email us and we'll reply all. <laughs> That might be because the last time we saw him, he was getting ticked with Jasmine's family. Yeah. But this felt like he was being loyal to his own family and picking them over his extended family, which also made me realize how rare that feels for him. Yeah. But I was happy to see it. Yeah, me too. I completely agree. Um, and then it also made me a little less angry about the way he would sometimes speak to Renee because I'm like, okay, that's how he talks to people, I guess, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, if he's going to say that to his own family as well, then maybe it means that he thinks of Renee as family, family, and that's just how he then feels he can talk. And it's actually a weird compliment as opposed to just super insulting. I mean, yeah, still shouldn't do it. But yeah, anyway, they had this issue that mentioned a couple of times of how light skinned. Yeah, the baby was. And I looked it up, and according to desumama.com, which I don't even really know what that website is, so <laughs> maybe take this with a grain of salt, but this website said that mixed-race babies can be very different colors at birth. And a woman writing on this site said, imagine the surprise when my biracial baby looks white at birth. Truth is, multiracial babies can totally look different within a year or more after they are born. My handsome mixed little boy was born brown and stayed brown throughout his first year of life. But my daughter, well, let's just say my mom had some questions for me as she was born super white. Their skin color is pretty much identical now. Interesting. So I guess it's variable. Uh, yeah. And I felt like I had heard that anecdotally, but I didn't know if that was a real phenomenon or not. So... Maybe she will be light skinned or maybe her skin will change colors or who knows. But it's I thought it was such an interesting little thing to include. And who knows why they did that? Maybe they were really being conscious of the fact that different babies, you know, mixed race babies look different at birth. And they thought it would be an interesting thing to bring in, you know, just for authenticity's sake. I, I my mind just went to all kinds of places. It was like maybe they did like a, like a baby casting call and they got more white babies <laughs> and they just went with that. I really wasn't sure, but I thought, isn't it interesting that it's not even a plot point because Crosby, the dad, is the white one? You know, I wonder, is that ever like, does anybody ever feel like, did you cheat on me? Like, you know, when you said that, you know, like if Crosby were black and Jasmine were white, would that be like, um, 
I'm sorry, what? You know, like, <laughs> I just thought that was interesting. It, it was a non-issue since Jasmine is the one who's black. But anyway. He gave Zeke another opportunity to put his foot in his mouth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I did like when Sarah was like, you do realize you're saying words out loud. <laughs> I did not catch like- that. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. There's also the issue of what the baby's name is going to be, both her first name and her last name, which made me wonder... What has Jabbar's name been this whole time? I think it's Trussell. Okay, I was just under the wrong impression. Did you think it... Well, I mean, it was Trussell, I'm sure, when in the pilot, right? Yeah, before he knew Crosby. Yeah, and so then I'm like, if it... And probably for quite a time, you know, all of season one, it's not like, here's your dad, let's change your name. Yeah. (laughs) Of course not. Yeah, and so I guess I just wasn't sure, but... Then I start. I, w- I started to wonder what everyone's name was actually. Like when Jasmine and Crosby got married at the end of season three, yeah. did she keep her name? Is she still Jasmine Trussell, or did she hyphenate, or is she Jasmine Braverman? This episode made me think. I don't think she just took Crosby's name because. I don't think it would make sense for her to be like Trussell Braverman if she was Jasmine Braverman. You know, like. I think that probably she either hyphenated or kept her name. That's my guess. It just reignites, I think, the fascinating issue of family names in general because it feels so wrong to me. I suppose if a woman wants to take her husband's name, yeah, I'm all for people doing whatever they want to do or whatever works for them. But like in this case with these fictional characters, why shouldn't Jabbar's name be Trussell? For the first five years of his life, that was his family name. Everyone in his family was named Trussell. And then now, just because his dad is in the picture, his name should change. I feel like, well, you already have an identity. You are Jabbar Trussell. If you want to keep that name, you should keep that name. And same with Jasmine. If she doesn't want to take Crosby's name when she gets married, that's fine. And it sure seems fine With him, since we haven't seen anything about that issue. Yeah. But then is he the only person in his family with a different name from everyone else? And that doesn't feel right. And But then that would happen if a woman doesn't take her husband's name and then has kids and gives the kids the husband's. And then she's the only one without it. I know lots of women in that situation. She's the only one. Yeah, who doesn't have the same name. And that doesn't feel fair. But then the solution is not just, well, the man should take the woman's name. Well, then you have the same issue just in reverse. I have noticed a couple friends recently who, when they get married, they each take the other's name and they just hyphenate their names. Yeah. And I suppose that is a solution. But then there are so many names and I think, what will your children do when they grow up and get married, if they do the same thing, yeah. then they'll have three names. Or because four. Because they already have two. Yeah. It's, I know I that know. our guest Meryl from last season, she and her husband, it was Meryl Carver, Blaine Almond. I'm just using their full names. So. <laughs> but then they both <laughs> their became... Their social security numbers are... <laughs> <laughs> they both became Carver Almond, which they're very lucky. That sounds awesome, I think. You know, not, not every name works hyphenated, like just the way it sounds. And then their kids are as well. And I think she's even said, they'll just have to decide when they get older what feels right to them. And I'm like... That checks out. I think that sounds good. You know, since I don't have kids, it would have been very easy for me to keep my name. 
And I'll just say, I kind of wish I had. It is not like some deep wish that keeps me up at at night. It's not a regret, uh, nothing like that. There are certainly lovely things about Mark and I having the, the same last name. But I think the reason I sometimes regret it is I really did it not even to please him. He told me, do whatever you want, babe. Your last name's great, fight. You know, he was like, you know, that means a lot to you. Keep it. And, you know, I have to be honest, on some level, I thought he might be disappointed if if I didn't. Uh, forgetting, I guess, who I was marrying, uh, a man who <laughs> says exactly what he means. There's no, like, I'm going to float this out there, but secretly I feel that, no. Like, there's just no way he would, yeah. But I think I just, I didn't want to, like, hurt his mom's feelings or, you know, society. I don't know. It took us nine years to get married. I didn't want people to be like, oh, so you don't really love him or yeah, I don't know. And it's so stupid. I don't think anyone would have said any of those things. I don't know what my issue is. I don't think my mother-in-law, I don't think her feelings would have been hurt. I think it would have been fine. (laughs) But um, I've mentioned this because I'm not someone who desperately wanted to take someone's name. I didn't romanticize it. And yet I still did it. That's how pervasive it is. And so I mentioned that because for Jasmine or Julia, and Julia is often called Mrs. Graham or Braverman Graham. And, you know, anyway, for these headstrong women who probably think of their name as being part of their identity, who they are, I just think it's such a conversation sometimes and I imagine that they might just be like, oh, forget it, you know? And, and I think maybe the difference when you were saying, is the solution for the man to take the woman's name? No, but I think like no one expects a man to just give up his name. Absolutely. But conversely, I do know of exactly one guy. I worked with him back in Pittsburgh. He didn't just hyphenate his name. He like literally changed his name to his wife's name. And everyone was like, what? Well, his bachelor name was Hornswoggle. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> he just oh, is looking to unload that. Unload I, I that. Maybe that's what everyone should do. They should just pick whichever name is nicer and then just go with that. <laughs> like, let's just drop off, you know, gross or whatever name it is. And- well, I often think if I got married, depending on what my husband's last name was, I yeah. would be very tempted to change it because... Of my three names, Hoyer is by far my least favorite. Interesting. And it's nothing personal against the Hoyer family. Right. It's just a, I don't love the name. Yeah. And, you know, if I married someone like whose last name was Williams, well, yeah. th- that would be so convenient. <laughs> just be Caleb <laughs> Williams and you say it over the phone and everyone understands you immediately. But I have thought, because both my sisters took their husbands' names, Yeah. oh, so the Hoyer line, if I had children, would just stop yeah. on our little branch. And yeah. then I think, but who, what am I talking about lines as if, <laughs> you know, and I have so many cousins and they, I mean, the Hoyer name is going to endure. And it's not <laughs> like there's a contest among names. And even if there was... Hoyer is not doing that hot versus the Williams and such and the Johnsons and, you know. True. So, but who knows? Do our listeners know 
that when you introduce yourself as Melissa Fight Johnson, your name is not hyphenated, correct? It is not. I made Fight my middle name legally when I got married. And I don't know if they know that, but now I'm real now they do. I'm really glad I did that. And that was Mark's idea. Mark was like, you're not just gonna do away with fight completely, are you? And I think I had been planning on doing that. I was going to keep my middle name, which is Lane. It was going to just be Melissa Lane Johnson. And I think Lane is actually prettier than fight. And that might have been a prettier full name. But I was very, very attached to fight. And I wasn't that attached to Lane because how attached are any of us really to our middle names? I didn't use it very often at all, but I was super attached to, you know, the, the name that was my last name for 30 years. I got married when I was 30. And so now I really do like that. I'm like, okay, so Johnson is my last name, but fight is still a big part of my name. And so I do tend to use it when I publish. It's Melissa Fight Johnson. I like saying that on the podcast. If I just say Melissa Johnson, I don't know. It doesn't feel entirely like that's me for some That feels reason. awfully generic. I have to say, no judgment yeah. against your name, but fight is unique. Yeah. And I, because I know you, I like that it also feels like a way to honor your father. Yes. Yeah. Completely. I guess that's your mom's name too and your brother's. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> so that name is living on too, but I always yeah. think of it in relationship to your dad. Yeah, I do too, honestly. And I think that's part of why I didn't want to let it go. And it is it is nice. Now I have three names and they all mean a lot to me. So I guess in, in that respect, it's it's totally fine that I changed my name and and all of that. But I am glad that I married somebody who really understood what names mean. I guess to, to bring it back to parenthood, I, I don't think it's like Crosby was being terrible or anything by wanting his kid to have his last name. I think that's probably very human, especially if we're learning, uh, you know, Jabbar doesn't, <laughs> you know, maybe that just really means something to him. And I think that's fine. But I, I also think it can be a bit of a, like a stereotype or a cliche that like, you know, so I've, I've had some friends who wanted to keep their name or did keep their name and their husband like had a huge problem with it. I'm just really glad that I married somebody who did not have a huge problem with it. You know, who, yeah. who would have been totally fine if I'd kept fight and understood why that meant something. And, you know, if we had kids that I feel like that is a whole other thing. It's uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I do think it's interesting that it seems as though perhaps Jabbar and Aida will have different last names and they're siblings, full-blooded siblings. I yeah. don't think there's even necessarily anything like wrong with that. I just find it interesting. Yeah. I love this subject. I think it's fascinating. I enjoyed the storyline with the baby just for the fact that it wasn't romanticized at yeah. all. It was really about how stressful a newborn can be. Oh, come on. I fell asleep making my sandwich. I'm starving. Oh. <laughs> Shoes fall asleep, okay? I was waiting for the toast and my eyes involuntarily ceased to remain open. Okay, well, maybe yeah, if your family hadn't slap. stayed over for like five hours, you'd be more rested. Oh, yeah, it's my family's fault that we haven't slept for four days. All four days, their fault? Can you, yeah, um, buy that. when you make that, can you just make sure you smooth the peanut butter out? No, I don't Jasmine, like it when it's don't micromanage me making a peanut butter and despite burning the toast. Just, I know just how to, make it however you want to make it. This is crazy. Honey, this is crazy. What? I can't do this. Where I got to wake up in the middle of the night to watch you breastfeed the baby. I'm not doing anything other than just not getting sleep. 
Some people may only need a couple hours of sleep. I need eight, okay? Some people might be at peace for not having a name for the baby. I would like a name for our baby. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, if you need eight hours, you need eight hours, right? I mean, clearly your mommy thinks you do. She can what name is the baby. What does my mom have to do with this? Because you invited your entire family over here for the entire day. I told to you meet. ten times they were supposed to leave. I don't, I don't have control over them. You know, it's like having a team of billy goats in the room. I can't just, what am I going to do? I have to pee. Can you please hold your daughter before you go get your beauty sleep? I'm sure you're going to be the best thing that ever happened to me someday, but right now I just really hit you. What did you think of that line? I, I was really torn on that line. I loved it. <laughs> because... I remember my dad quoting some, I think like a psychologist at some point, and I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something about the murderous rage a parent mm. feels towards their own child. Wow. Which is like <laughs> horrific. <laughs> but I remember my dad saying, I, I do know for sure he would say, it's like there's a reason babies are cute. Yeah. Because if they weren't, you would kill them. Wow. He said, when it's the middle of the night and all you want to do is sleep, and you have fed them, and you have changed them, and you have rocked them to sleep, and you've taken their temperature, and you know they're not sick, and you've done everything you can, and they still won't shut up and go to sleep. He's like, you just, you just want to make it stop. Wow. But you don't, because they're cute, and you love them. And they <laughs> smell good. Isn't that also yeah. part of it? Yeah, so, it's a whole thing. And I enjoyed the whole fight between them in that scene because it didn't actually to me seem to be about anything real. I mean, not mm -hmm. really. I'm sh I believe that she was ticked. The family stayed that long, but she knows who the Ray Rubens are. And, <laughs> yeah. and I believe he wants more sleep, but he understands the baby. Like, I, I don't know. I just, it seemed just like two people who were sleep deprived and cranky. So everything was, oh, don't yeah. spread the peanut butter that way. <laughs> you know, like, it's like yeah, that happens when you're sleep deprived and you don't get a moment of silence. And... Yeah. I like that. He's all like, don't micromanage me. I know how to make a sandwich, e even though I burn the bread. Like, I like <laughs> that he doesn't even really have like a leg to stand on there. Like she can't trust you to make a sandwich right now. She can't. But I think my favorite part was her just say, Oh, if you need eight hours, you need eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, I personally like to get eight hours. Uh, during the school week, I almost never do. Just on the weekends, I try to catch up a little bit. And I don't have kids. So I, I'm like, I, I probably could I'd just go to bed earlier. But I have to get up at 530 to go to work. And so it's just very hard, I think, to like go to bed at 930 when you're not elderly. I don't know. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like not when I'm wrapping things up and winding down. But <laughs> I can see Cros I mean, Crosby's going, I guess, from eight hours a night to hardly anything. But I can't believe that he still thinks he's somehow going to get eight hours. You know, for him yeah. to say that to his wife, who's like breastfeeding. And <laughs> it's funny. I remember from previous viewings of the show, loving Crosby, like Crosby being one of my very favorite characters, maybe top two. And I, don't get me wrong. It's not like this. This rewatch hasn't opened my eyes to Crosby in the way that it has Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I still do love him, but I do find him whinier yeah. this time around. There are things that I'm like, really grow up. 
And it's not really the laundry thing, like his mom doing his laundry for so long. It's more stuff like this, like being petty to his wife's mother, insisting to his wife who just had a baby that he needs eight hours of sleep a night. You know, like it's stuff like that. I'm like, you really need to become not just a man, but like an adult, like grow up. Yeah. Well, and if he is waking up just to be awake while Jasmine breastfeeds, that is ridiculous. But we never hear Jasmine say in this episode that she wants him to do that. So I don't know where that was coming from. I can't imagine that she'd be like, well, if I'm up, you need to be up. No. Why? But uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think the real thrust of it is you have a newborn. You're going to be sleep deprived. Deal with it. Yeah. You just, you just have to. Or bottle feed the baby and take turns or something. Yeah. You know, so that Jasmine doesn't all, because I mean, that is unfair that she then would have to always get up. But if you want to breastfeed, that is all her. <laughs> yeah. But then it, it's like, okay, Crosby just takes a nap in the middle of the day while waiting for the bread. You know, if when she's not breastfeeding, like during the day or something, if she could rely on Crosby to watch the baby and not fall asleep, then I would imagine she could go take a nap sometimes. But she can't do that if he is arbitrarily getting up when she's getting up. So I I don't know. This is one of those times where it's really like occurring to me that I've never experienced this. And so I'm like giving these opinions on something I don't know. But I do think that makes sense to me. If I were Jasmine, I don't think I'd care that he was just watching me breastfeed. I, I think I'd be like, okay, you're sleeping now while I'm doing this. But later it is your turn, whether it's bottle feeding or whether it's anything like yeah. when the baby's just not feeding, I'm going to take a nap. So yeah. Yeah. I think this is true. My mom got diagnosed with MS between Lindsay and me, and they thought it was safe to have more children. I think they originally wanted to have four. Wow. But they were a little rattled getting this diagnosis. My mom was yeah. very young, not even 30. Wow. But my dad really wanted more children, at least one more. And I believe they struck some sort of bargain that he would be the one to get up with me in the night. Wow. If she would have another one. <laughs> and if that's not literally true, I apologize, mom and dad. <laughs> but I believe that was the bargain. And I was allergic to breast milk and formula. So it didn't end what up being did an you issue. eat as a baby? Something that they called liquid gold. It was very expensive. They wow. said it was not liquid gold, like furniture polish or whatever. Right. <laughs> it didn't mean me that. But it was it was something like very special. Wow. So my mom did not have to get up with me. I've only seen newborns and that whole experience from the outside as an yeah. uncle and very brief moments. But uh, yeah, there are certainly many times where I think, wow, I'm glad I'm not having to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> the baby is crying and it is not incumbent upon me to try and make it stop. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do know that our next few guests who are coming on um, have kids. And so we'll get more, you know, input on those first few <laughs> weeks, months from them. But I I think it's interesting as non-parents to sort of really think about what that must mean, because I don't know how often I do And I just know that like some of my friendships changed when people had babies and I don't think I've taken it too terribly personally, but perhaps your life does change in a way that makes it difficult to relate to people who haven't gone through it. I, I don't know. I, that's, that's something I wonder about. 
if it makes sense that people would then want to be friends with people who are kind of going through it with them as opposed to people like me who went to a concert last night (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's annoying (laughs) or who just you know has a podcast in her spare pandemic time (laughs) you know so i don't know well i appreciated crosby's honesty in that Mm -hmm. scene to his baby and i i liked his scene with his brother also why are we driving two miles an hour because she likes the hum and the vibration and she doesn't like sudden unexpected noises anything sharp or sudden will wake her up so just kind of she's beautiful yeah well you know sometimes that's not enough what do you mean it's not enough i just need you to tell me that this is temporary the crying and the spitting up and the diarrhea and and you know just the sleep deprivation I, i she's she's ruining me do you understand that? I am half the person I was three days ago. I cannot live like this. You think it's funny? My health is going down the toilet Cross right me. now. It's temporary. Do you know what a lack hey, of sleep does? Hey, it's it can lack of di- yeah. diabetes. You People get diabetes and bring a fan around your stomach. You're tired. It's going to pass. Yes, I am very tired. Okay, listen to me. It is temporary, okay? She's a baby. She's going to grow out of it. It's going to take some time. You're going to fall into her rhythm. You're going to be less tired, okay? Okay, but you... What? It's not just the exhaustion. It's... Well, what is it? I don't even want to admit this, but I don't feel anything. I don't feel anything. I, I'm watching Jasmine hold her, and she clearly has some connection that I don't have. I'm right. waiting for this wave of love to wash over me, and it's just not happening. Did you experience that with your kids at all? No, I didn't. So I am just, I'm a terrible person. I'm the worst Crosby. person in the world. Crosby, it's just, it's like Jabbar, okay? You love him, right? You know, kids don't come into the world walking and talking. This is a baby, all right? Just give it some time. All right. I'll give it some time. Meanwhile, get some sleep. You'll feel a lot better. Well, easier said than done. I'm going to have to learn how to sleep while I drive. You're going to take a nap. Learn how to take naps, all right? You're going to be fine. I loved that conversation. I I have to admit, I bumped a little when he tells Aida that he hates her. (laughs) I don't know. I get... That, that she is doesn't... forceful vocabulary. <laughs> I thought so. Yeah. And like, I, I see where you're coming from, like just the extreme honesty of that moment. And he probably, I think what gets me though, is I don't think that that's actually true. I think, I think what I love about his talk with Adam is that's what's true. Is yeah, he doesn't feel fair. connected to her. And so I hate felt very like, and I also thought, I don't know that you should put that into the universe, man. Like, I don't know. Like, I know that's a, that's a weird thing to say, but like, I don't know. It felt too much. It kind of made me feel the same way that, um, it felt like when Sarah way back in season one called Amber a bitch about her, like when she found out that she had plagiarized her paper, it just, it kind of made me go like just certain things. I don't think you should say about your, your kid, but I loved the talk with Adam because I thought, that is honesty, and I actually think it's really important that he talk to someone about that because yeah. you, you that's that's how you process stuff. And and I don't know what that's like. Like, do you know if postpartum is a thing, like a version of that for for men for fathers? I was just wondering that while listening. I wondered that too because I liked that Adam said he had not experienced that, but in a completely non judgmental way. I thought he did handle that very well. Like when he was like, no, I didn't, you know, but it wasn't like, how could you think that Crosby, you know, Crosby's the one who then takes that response and says, oh my God, I'm the worst person in the world. But I I like that Adam was not judging him. And I imagine this is probably the case with lots of parents. It's such a shock to the system. It's such a change. 
perhaps that's what you would focus on before the huge wave of love, you know, for some people. And do we romanticize the way people feel about their babies the way we do when people meet the person they're going to marry? You know, does it always have to be love at first sight? Can't it just be like a, a gradual falling in love as you get used to this new person? I, I don't know. Sometimes I think we just set these really unrealistic expectations for everything in our life. Everything has to be over the top and magical. Yeah. Well, I remember referencing a writer named Ayala Waldman on this podcast before she famously said that she loved her husband more oh, than yeah. her children. Yeah. She's a Berkeley mom, coincidentally. Interesting. But her point, I think, was that romanticizing love for your children. And she was saying, it's not romantic love that right. I feel for my kids. I'm not in love with my children. I'm yeah. in love with my husband. I crave him. I get hot for him. I am united with him. I'm my children's mother. Yeah. And of course, I love them deeply, but I'm not in love with them. Yeah, so I think there's maybe something to that. Because I I feel like we have all known parents, mothers and fathers, where doting turns into something a little extra. <laughs> like like yeah. Just like their whole identity and their whole world is defined by how much they love their kids. Yeah. <laughs> Which feels horrible to say because there's nothing wrong with loving your kids. No. <laughs> like you should, no. of course. Of course. But I think that people, I do know people who get lost in parenting. Yeah. And they don't know who they are anymore. Or I know people who end up getting divorced because, you know, I'm sure there are lots of reasons why people get divorced. But I think one of them is you put your kid first so much that the person you're married to becomes like a roommate, you know, someone else that you're like raising the kids with, not yeah. your spouse. And I think especially if you've got problems anyway, that could really intensify, you know, and, and I just have so many stories come into mind right now. One of them is that, okay, they both involve my mom. <laughs> I think I may have mentioned this before, but my mom said that every day when her dad got home from work, before they did anything else, her parents took a walk, just the two of them. And then they came back home and made dinner and the whole family hung out. But my mom cherishes that memory. She didn't feel left out. She loved seeing how much her parents loved each other. And then my, my mom's dad died when my mom was 13. So that was really important to her, I think, going forward. And then my, my other story involving my mom is that for a long time, it was a real struggle for my mom in me for our relationship that I had chosen not to have children. I think she thought I was taking her later years identity away from her. So my brother doesn't have kids. She always saw herself as a grandmother. She loves kids. She babysat kids. She was a teacher. I think she was really mad at me for making a decision that took something from her, which is how she saw it. And that was, that was hard for me too. Cause I, it's not why I made the decision. I certainly didn't want to take something away from my mom or hurt her. That brought me no joy at all. <laughs> you know, I, but I will say it's really interesting. So my mom for the last like seven years has been in a really, really good relationship. 
and she moved to Kansas City from our smaller town. And before the pandemic, anyway, they were always off doing something, taking Italian classes or learning how to like weave, you know, like they were just doing all kinds of cool things. My mom learned to knit and she like started making everybody scarves and they would go on dates and have traditions together. And they're starting to do more of that now that the world's opening back up. They were being very careful (laughs) for a while there. But It made me really joyful to see that it wasn't that I stole my mom's later years identity. She had to figure out what her identity would be without that, which is what she had assumed it would be. And she could have just resented me for the rest of her life and, you know, died mad at me. She could have. And I'm really, really glad she didn't. And in fact, this is the best we have ever gotten along in my entire life. And I think, I think a big part of it is she was like, okay, I'm going to have to figure something else out. Now, I'm not saying she couldn't have done some of that being a grandmother too, but she even told me when she was moving to Kansas City to to live with this man, she said, if I had even one grandchild, I wouldn't leave. So maybe she wouldn't have even been on like Match.com where she met him, right? Maybe she wouldn't have been trying to find love or trying to find something else. And so I say that because I do think that part of what makes me happy about my decision not having children is I have not experienced that who am I feeling in my adult life. I think the last time I really went through that was I was like 20 and going through a couple of breakups and it was just, you know, really painful and I didn't understand who I was. It's been a long time since I felt like that and that was a really scary feeling. And I think any sort of major change can prompt that. And I'm not saying... Don't have kids, people, because it, yeah. but, but I am saying like we shouldn't pretend like it's just magical and beautiful and perfect when people become parents and they never have an identity crisis and that you, you know I mean yeah. I think yeah I think Crosby's story here is really important. It's a good one to tell and that it's taking place on a show that has plenty of those magical and beautiful experiences yeah. portrayed too because. I believe people when they say it's a lot of that too. I, you know, neither of yeah. us are anti-family no. <laughs> at all. <laughs> but I think the whole picture paints a richer portrait than yeah. just the pretty parts. Mm-hmm. And I commend your mom for being that adaptable. I was just thinking this the other night. I mean, it feels like a major life lesson I'm always grappling with, which is, if you construct things in a way where you can only be happy if certain things are true yes. and those things just aren't true, yeah, then you're just choosing to be unhappy. And like if your mom was only going to be happy if she was a grandmother, then the rest of her life could have been really rough. Yeah. But how amazing that she found other ways yeah. to be happy. And, and took that requirement off herself and off you. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it was a, a big part of why we had trouble for a long time. It wasn't just her wanting me to have kids. You know, it was also like a lot of expectations about how often to see her and, and, and hang out with her. In a lot of ways, I was her social life too, you know, and, and we would have dinner once a week, but that didn't always feel like enough for her. And I think it's because she didn't also have a lot of other things going on too. And I think it's really incredible. She found love and then 
that sort of introduced her to like so much else. And that's why our relationship is really rich now because when I see her, it's not an obligation. I'm really excited to see her and we're hanging out. And anyway, yeah, I, I agree. And you're totally right. There are all these really interesting expectations. I think it's why I felt really strongly about Jasmine needing to set boundaries with, with her mom, you know, and why the Bravermans need boundaries at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. a quick Google search led me to healthychildren.org, which says dads can get depression during and after pregnancy too. Depression in dads is, in fact, a relatively common phenomenon affecting anywhere between 2 and 25% of them during their partner's pregnancy or in the first year postpartum. According to the American Academy of Pediatrics, this rate can increase to 50% when the mother also has perinatal or postpartum depression. Wow. New demands and responsibilities during pregnancy and the postpartum period often cause major changes in a father's life, too. It's important to understand what risk factors can affect the development of depression. Difficulty developing an attachment with the baby, feeling excluded and jealous over mother-child bonding, mm. lack of rewards in parenting, financial and work stress, low testosterone. I'm now realizing that that episode, uh, the talk last season, where Crosby says that he felt a little irrelevant. And I wonder they don't voice this, but he does say to Adam that, you know, Jasmine and the baby have a bond that he doesn't have. And so I thought, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I also wonder if part of his lack of connection is the fact that the baby isn't even named. Yeah. Let alone whether it's Braverman or Trussell. If it's just this object in your house that makes a ton of noise, <laughs> prevents you from sleeping, and makes you clean up its shit, literally... <laughs> <laughs> multiple times a day. Yeah, how do you feel the connection? That was on my mind when Jasmine said she had a name. Ooh, she is a difficult baby, though. Yeah. No, I mean, really difficult. <laughs> like worse than Jabbar was? Oh, way worse. Uh, that's weirdly comforting. <laughs> mm, but I'm just so in love with her, you know? I feel so connected. Don't you? Yeah, to totally. Oh, I think I have a name. Really? Mm -hmm. What is it? Aida. Aida? Mm-hmm. Aida. Yeah. Aida what? Aida Burrito. <laughs> Aida Braverman. Aida Braverman? Thank you. Aida Braverman. Mm-hmm. We named our baby. We are pretty awesome. I just would imagine that Crosby is going to have an easier time connecting mm. with something called Aida. Yeah. Not just the baby. Yeah. She has a name. It's Aida. And Braverman. Yeah. That, I think, would certainly go a long way. And it made me wonder, do you think, well, why do you think Jasmine went with Braverman? I wondered... Was it just so she could get Aida? Like, did she really like that name and thought maybe he wouldn't? And so it was like a trade-off? <laughs> I thought, was it an apology for keeping Jabbar a secret mm. for five years? Wow. Could be. Or what I really wondered is, did she somehow sense that Crosby was not connecting with her? 
and felt like this might help him. I feel like it could be sort of a combination of all of those, honestly. She's a very perceptive person. Although in that scene, she says, I'm just so, you know, I feel so connected, don't you? And it didn't feel like she was setting him up or something, like to admit that he didn't. Although maybe she was. Maybe she was sort of like opening it up, like if you're not, we can talk about it. But it felt more like she just assumed he was right there with her. I did write down with that line, it's like, I just feel so connected, felt like not something new parents would say. (laughs) I'm so in love with her. Yes, I just feel so connected. That felt like the show reminding us, (laughs) you know, Crosby doesn't feel connected. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But anyway, continue. Oh, no. But yeah, I like the idea of that being sort of an apology for Jabbar. I also think that's a big part of why I like this little storyline about him not feeling so connected. You know, Adam saying they don't come into the world walking and talking. Well, for Crosby, he did. And, (laughs) you know, it might be easier. Who wouldn't fall in love with Jabbar? Yeah. he was Five-year-old Jabbar. He's just like this well-behaved, sweet kid who didn't cry all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. This is such a small note. I couldn't stop wondering. For the first time, I didn't wonder it while watching, but just hearing that clip... I remember reading The Namesake, one of my favorite books. I've talked about it a lot on here. And they had to name their baby before leaving the hospital, even though in their culture, they're from India, it was custom to go weeks or even years without naming a baby. And instead, you give them like a pet name until the, the right good name like appears to them. And so they were like, what? We have to name the baby right now? And they were like, yeah, we need something to put on the birth certificate. You can't leave without it. Uh, otherwise, it'll be like baby boy Ganguly. And they're like, should we do that and then get a new birth certificate? And they're like, no, it's a lot of red tape. And so I guess I was just wondering... Is this whole thing a real big plot hole that, like, actually they couldn't have left the hospital without naming their baby? But I I don't know. And I didn't even look it up. Oh, no. (laughs) Don't worry, everyone. He is remedying that right now. (laughs) Well, maybe I should help you. I'm just sitting here waiting for you to find the answer. This article that I found says that um, usually for a vaginal delivery, you may have 24 to 48 hours, but it is possible to leave the hospital without a name. You should just expect a phone call from an official from the State Department of Health since you didn't complete your paperwork. And unfortunately, this option can be pretty tough to deal with as it's costly to have to add to the birth certificate after you already leave the hospital. So I think probably what it is is you can do it. It's just a big old hassle. And okay, yeah. Teamwork. Yay! (laughs) Well, the name Aida, I believe, is most well-known as the main character of a very famous Verdi opera. Which was also adapted into an Elton John Disney musical on Broadway. That character is an Ethiopian princess. And it's an Arabic-Italian name meaning happy. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I really like Jasmine's names for her kids. I don't know. I think yeah. I think they're lovely. Well, I thought next we would move to Julia and Joel. Yes. They're both going back to work, looks like. You know, we never really got hard and fast answers as to... Who was earning money the second half of last <laughs> yeah. season? I mean, like, I 
think it was implied that Joel was working more than he had since she was staying home all the time. That's true. He had that job that he hired Ryan for, you know, maybe that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess that's not an implication. It (laughs) It was right there in front of us. But now Julia is actually going out, getting interviews, and Joel has construction sites all his own. What did you think about Julia's interview? You're like a legend around here. I couldn't believe you were coming in for this job. Well, I took a year off to be with my family, you know, and I'm ready to get back to my life, and I'd like to do it here at your firm. Look, I'm, I'm so familiar with your work. I'm a huge fan. Honestly, I'm going to have to call your references for formal reasons and uh, your former employer. I'm a little curious why you don't have Leon Dengraf listed, but... Oh, uh, yes, of course. <clears throat> well... I decided the criteria for my references would be that they knew all of my work on more of a day-to-day basis. And Leon is Leon Dengraf, certainly, but he's also mostly on the golf course these days. Yeah. So. Good. I mean, so there wasn't, there wasn't a problem with Leon or... No, Leon was probably not happy that I decided to take that year off. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it was a decision I felt I had to make at the time. I'm in a completely different place now and fully ready to commit. So. No, I mean, it's just, like I said, I will need to contact him. Great. I don't know that I had a strong opinion on that. I, I... Guess I wondered why she wouldn't have just listed him because I I would think that it would cause more like draw more attention to things if she didn't than if she just had like Mm. if she had I wonder if maybe he wouldn't have even gone to the trouble of calling him you know like just oh we've been trying to get her forever everything looks in order let's do it but like leaving him off and then having to ask her about it oh that's a good point i just thought of that though and maybe he would have called anyway and maybe leon would have been quote unquote vindictive anyway is that the word that she uses so yeah i was taken aback by her not getting into more details i thought it was a perfect opportunity to be specific about the year off that she took yeah to say well, we adopted a nine-year-old boy. The adjustment period of like integrating him into the family was a time when I really needed to be at home. So I took a year off. And in that year, the adoption has been finalized. My son is flourishing, doesn't need the kind of attention that he did last year. Everything is going great. So I am ready and eager to return oh, to work. Oh, you're so right. And the thing that took me away is resolved. And I think that's, I mean, yeah, you can never predict everything. Right. But I think that's probably true. I do too. She should have said that. Yeah. I think so. And I thought like, well, you know, maybe she just wants to keep it private. I could maybe understand that. But I I thought you don't have to get into the weeds of all the bums. He called the cops on me, you know. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Leave that part out. Don't go into that. (laughs) But just say, yes, here's what was happening. You know, if she had given birth to a new baby, if she said, I took a year off because I had a baby. I mean, that's what happened. Yeah. Except that I think having a nine-year-old is maybe even harder. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Maybe not for Crosby, but for anyone else. (laughs) 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 so but yeah no i i didn't even think of that you're so right i just kept wondering would leon be like that i guess that's very believable that someone you know (laughs) it's not that i know leon so well that i'm like oh i just didn't (laughs) think leon would go there but but i just wondered like 
would he actively be trying to stop someone who was mostly a really great employee who just had like a, a literal like meltdown at the end, like a panic attack? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Would he just really be like, she's never going to work again? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, here's here's where my lack of imagination really fails me sometimes. Because I think, well, I would never do that. Yeah. So I would assume that Leon would never. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe lots of people would be like, yeah, don't hire her. She just quit out of nowhere. Yeah. And she lost us this case. She's yeah. totally distracted. and Maybe that's fair. Maybe it is. I, yeah, I think who would be like, don't hire her ever. Yeah. She'll never work again. Like <laughs> every yeah. place is going to call Leon and he's going to make sure of it. I don't know. Like that's... And I got to say, that was something that bothered me twice in this episode, because not this one even as much. What really got me where I was like, okay, I guess this is really a TV show and not life. I do not believe that Joel would not have mentioned that Pete was a woman. Absolutely. I thought that was so stupid that it's like, oh, actually, yeah, it's not what you're expecting. I mean, even if he just used her pronouns sometime, just said, yeah, she and I, oh, I thought Pete was a man, just Pete. And he's like, oh, yeah, I guess I never mentioned that. You know, at some point it would have come up, even if he didn't present it as like a big point. And I can see, I mean, she's obviously like beautiful and has this cool accent. I can see where you don't want to be like, Guess what, Julia? My boss, super hot, smoking hot, <laughs> smoking yeah. hot. You don't want to do that. But I'm like, I just don't believe this whole time Julia's been picturing a man, <laughs> and yeah. he's just let her. I, I just think that's so dumb. Yeah, silly. I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Also, what's Pete short for? I was curious. Is that her last name? Her name is Meredith Pete. Oh, look at that. Because I and I had it written down. I realized like this is the first episode with Josh Stamberg as Carl and Sonia Walger Walger. Sorry, Sonia, as Meredith Pete. Okay, there it is. Maybe she's, you know, heir to the Pete's coffee fortune. <laughs> <laughs> because That's it. At least on IMDb, her name is spelled P E E T. Okay. All right. Then that's Well, maybe she's out. part of the Amanda Pete acting dynasty. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about Pete. I was really curious about this little slight that he mm. makes to Julia and to housewives everywhere. Yeah. What about you, Julia? What do you do? Mm. Me, I'm I'm here. Stay at home, mom. Oh, great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, it is. Julia's also um <clears throat> actually a, a incredible lawyer, just taking some time off to be with the kids, so Right. Well, that's um, an amazing thing, a luxury to be able to do that in this day and age. Truly. Wow. It really is. But I could tell you weren't just a housewife. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that, because it's, it's great. No, I, But I yeah. could just see it. I mean, it's, it's great. It's a full-time job, right? It's great. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, more than full-time. Yeah, that's sure. for sure. Wow. I just, just this second thought of something. It's a little similar to her kind of attitude, Julia's attitude about Raquel in season one, you know, like she doesn't even work, you know? And, and I don't know that that was even meant as a slight, but it came out like a slight, which I think is the exact same thing here. I don't think Pete was trying to, you know, insult housewives. I think she was trying to give Julia a compliment and Pete is probably someone who has worked her entire life. And so weirdly, I think part of the reason Julia felt uncomfortable is she's not comfortable being a housewife. 
And yes. so, yeah, it was like she didn't know if she should be complimented or offended. And it might be the sort of comment she would have made in the past and kind of has. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's exactly what I felt. Because I thought I was taken aback in that moment. I think it had the intended effect. Yeah. The sh- the, the show was intended. Right, not Pete's that we'd be, effect. Right. That yeah. we would be like, oh, that's not a very nice thing to say. And yet... I think a lot of people, maybe most people, could understand exactly what Pete was saying and realize that she meant no offense and and that she did actually mean it as a compliment. And moreover, I think Julia would absolutely be one of those people. And yet I could tell it bothered her. Yeah. And I don't blame her for being bothered. Yeah. And yet on my second watch, I thought exactly what you just said. It's like part of the issue is that Julia actually agrees Mm -hmm. with that subtle judgment of housewives, doesn't she? And maybe that's even too harsh. I don't think Julia judges housewives. I just think that that has never been where her heart lies. Yeah. And yeah, she's frustrated that she made this decision and now is having a hard time getting out of it. Yeah. Which is awful. And, you know, it makes me wonder, maybe she does have a subtle judgment of housewives. Although here's, this is interesting. She certainly doesn't when it comes to Christina, who was one for a long, long time. I don't think we've ever, ever gotten any sort of snarkiness or you know anything like that. Yeah. But I feel like when we see housewives in Julia's orbit, the show purposefully makes them <laughs> a certain way, you know? Yeah. They're like wearing yoga pants and going to go drink coffee all day and talk about how cute Joel is and what teachers have a crush on him, you know, or like Raquel with her like I don't know, just her entire being. And I just think That's interesting, because I think the show is really painting a very unrealistic picture of what that looks like. Probably Christina's calendar on the wall is a better, you know, depiction. Yeah, that's kind of offensive. Yeah. (laughs) Now that you say it, the the way that they portray all stay-at-home moms, except Christina. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Or like, you know, and and Joel, when he was a stay-at-home dad, he was exceptional. And I'm like, probably most of them are like those two, just just as busy as everyone else, just doing all kinds of things around, you know, the house and around town. And it's a real sacrifice. And so the idea that they're always just jetting off to have coffee for hours, like it's probably not what it's like. So, and they're both incredibly skilled in other areas that they just don't happen to be using at home. You know, Christina worked in politics and we've seen that Mm -hmm. throughout the series that she has that skill. She just doesn't need it when she's at home taking care of kids all day. And Joel can, you know, build a house from scratch. He can build a desk. (laughs) Yeah. That's such a skill. And I think about, like, my sister, Lindsay, who is a stay-at-home mom. She is an athletic trainer. She's a master's degree. You know, you hurt your ankle. She can tape that right up. And she, I mean, I don't even understand all the stuff that athletic trainers do. Yeah. Because that's how specialized a skill it is. Yes. I don't know how to do it. Absolutely. And that doesn't come into play in her day-to-day life. But she still has the skill and has all that intellect. and Yeah. The other moms in their athleisure wear. <laughs> They just feel like they're being portrayed as totally empty headed. Right. That's kind of uh, not great. (laughs) No, it's it's really not, is it? Yeah. And sometimes I think, oh, it's just a way they're just foils for the other characters so that we are meant to admire them more. 
I think that's an interesting choice, but so, sort of dehumanizing <laughs> to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I really loved Joel and Julia talking in their hammock. I did too. I just thought it was really sweet. And it made me wonder, do you and Mark have a hammock? Because <laughs> I, I think maybe you should so that you can lie next to each other and talk while gazing at the stars. You know, we don't. But you just made that sound really nice. And we do have several big trees in the backyard. So... I think you're onto something. Maybe 2022 will be the summer of the hammock. <gasps> I like that idea. Okay. Yes. <laughs> That's a good goal. <laughs> <laughs> Write to Santa for one. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in him again, as it turns out. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I actually loved Julia and Joel in this entire episode. They seemed really sweet together. Yeah. I, I liked them too. Yeah. Although I will say... It's hard to know, like I, I'm committed to spoiler free, but I think the line, it's going to, you know, it's going to be a good year. It's going to be a great year. Yeah. That's very ominous. I will say, I think that, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, it's a thing that I remember saying, um, the best new year. Nothing can go wrong now. Right. So. <laughs> you just don't say that. First of all, it's just like jinxing, whatever. But I, the very best new years I think I've ever had in my life was 2020. <laughs> it was a fantastic New Year's. Um, we, our friend Angela came to town and we, we got this like amazing meal at this very fancy restaurant in town. And it was one of those like several courses meal. We just treated ourselves. We're like, let's do this. And then we saw this band play and they were, they were doing all songs from like the, tw- like the 2000s, you know, and it was just a big sing along. It was just so fun. And we're like, oh my God, 2020, it's going to be the best year. Anyway, just saying. That's <laughs> what it made we me think of. We all know how that went. Yes. But 2020 did give me this podcast with you. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't all bad. Well, speaking of things not going exactly the way that you want them to, Sarah's a super now? What? Hi, Carl. <laughs> I don't have my keys. I'm sorry. Again. My it's very late. Oh, no, it is. You know what? I took a cab home and I left my car with the valet and they have my keys, so I... But that was, I mean, hey, I did the responsible thing, right? You and, did. You know, good, good job. Maybe leave one under the mat next Okay, time. that's such a good idea. Yeah. I know. You're my super. I'm You're your super. Right. Super, super. Ah, chat. Jokes. Oh. You totally don't look like a super. This is Lincoln. She's... I, oh uh, no! I get it. Oh, oh. how cute! Oh. oh, are these your dogs? Oh, no, they're not. They're somebody else's dogs. I take pictures, but don't put your hands on them. Oh, Thank you. Okay. You're a photographer of dogs. Yeah, and a super. Mm. That's awesome. Thank you. Okay, night, night. I think my mom has those pajamas. Oh, that's nice. Her mom has them. No, she does. Okay, like good come night. On. Okay, come bye on. bye. Let's go. Good night. Have fun. Are you mad, super lady? No, no, bye. not mad. Bye. Just tired. Who put her in charge of anything? It's <laughs> my question. Like anything that needs to be reliable, it seems like a really bad idea. And it's so random. It is Why, random. All the things she could be doing, would she be doing that? I mean, I guess we haven't even heard an explanation in this episode for why she's there. Perhaps she was just really eager to move out and maybe an affordable way to do that was, well, I'll live in this building, but I have to manage the building too. But are are there no qualifications for that? I mean, I was also bothered later on in the episode when she was fixing, <laughs> air quotes, the smoke alarm by just bashing it with a hammer. Yeah, that's not what you do. It bothered me again, the idea that she's just totally inept with things like that. When there was that one episode where she told Drew 
you know, when I was your age, I knew how to change a tire and I knew how to whatever. I'm so much more attracted to that idea. Yeah. That you wouldn't guess maybe that she could do all those things perhaps because of the way she looks or just because of her bubbly personality or wit or something, but that she's very capable. And it rings true to me as a single mother. Mm -hmm. Like she was taking care of those kids all the years that they were tiny. Yeah. I'm sure she was changing the light bulbs and changing the smoke alarms and fixing the cars and mending the clothes. And I, I, I just thought... She would not be this helpless, would she? And it's it's not funny enough to me yeah. to make it worth it. I got to say, Caleb, that did not even occur to me. <laughs> and now that you say that, you're so totally right. Oh, my gosh. I, I went with her being a super, but I actually think it would have been a lot more interesting if she just did that because it was like work she was good at. She's like, I'm handy. I was yeah. a single mom, you know, and I think it would have been cool if she like put Carl kind of in his place while actually fixing the, uh, you know, smoke detector. Like that would have been even more badass. But yeah, her actually being a super, I was like, yeah, I'm imagining that's like what you said, uh, a way to move out. I was just glad she'd moved out, honestly. I was like, this is good. And it's it's nice after all the like Mark drama and, and Hank drama and the just false start of her moving in with Mark for a little while. I'm like, I think it's the right thing. She, she was there for four years with her parents and they helped her out. But now both of her kids are not living with her anymore. Surely she can afford, you know, and that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. And just a fresh start, fresh start. Yeah. So I went with it. I did think it was sort of funny how Carl and Lincoln served as the, oh, uh, thanks, big brother. You know, like just, oh, you're a super who also takes photos of dogs. That's so cool. But like <laughs> we found out in this drunk girl's <laughs> voice. I also, the way that we're talking about, um, you know, the way that uh, stay-at-home moms are portrayed, I'm like, I don't love this idea that sometimes we're meant to look up to a woman on the show like Sarah or like Jasmine by contrasting them with silly women who I don't know you remember that that girl tough that woman that Crosby went on a date with that I'm always like justice for tough like she was really made fun of because she had a silly name or like Sandy was sort of made to seem like an idiot Uh, Crosby Sandy not Hank Sandy and I thought she was perfectly fine and then this Lincoln woman I don't know but I'm like who's really more of a joke here, this this attractive Carl. woman. Carl, <laughs> yes. I'm like, he's the one who's, yeah, going out with, he doesn't date women over 30. I don't know. I remember liking Carl a lot, I should say. I remember thinking, oh, this actor is super handsome, which is still true. And he's very charming, also still true. But I was not impressed with Carl. <laughs> no, I was like, is this a love interest for her? Because it's not off to a promising start. Hey, can you put that out, please? Oh, I'm sorry. I was smudging my apartment. Smudging? It's purifying. I broke up with Lincoln. Oh, you guys broke up. I'm shocked. (laughs) That... Oh, you got it. Got it. Skills. (laughs) We could be friends. What? We could. I never get weird. I don't date women over 30. Sure. Well... That's convenient because some of my best friends are 40-year-old guys who date 20-year-olds. Really? No, Carl, not really. (laughs) Who does he think he is, Leonardo DiCaprio? (laughs) 
<laughs> who would say that flat out? Like, yeah. who'd be like, you know, I have a policy. <laughs> it's going to really make you want to be friends with me. Yeah. Uh, it's stupid. It is stupid. And, you know, it's just now occurring to me how interesting that is because how old was Mark by the time they broke up? Was he about 30, maybe early 30s by the time they broke up? Just contrast how Lincoln was portrayed with how Mark was portrayed, right? Like, you don't have right. to be an idiot if you're... <laughs> You know, like, whatever. But of course, Sarah wouldn't be like, I only date people who are this age. She just happened to date someone who was younger. But yeah, I, I didn't love that, that he would just flat out say to Sarah, hey, we could be friends because I would never date you. I would find that really off-putting. The way that he like forgot his keys because he was so drunk or whatever, I would find that off-putting. I'd be like, again, be an adult. Put something under the mat. Don't wake up your super. Yeah. I also, the smudging thing, I looked that up because I was pretty sure that was appropriation. And the, there's there's a little bit of like um, debate, I suppose. But like, that's like a, a sacred indigenous ritual <laughs> that I'm like, I don't think you do that because you and your like younger girlfriend broke up. Like, I, I don't know. I found that a little like gross. So there are all my yeah. issues with Carl, I guess. Yeah. Cosine. I, yeah. I, I'm not interested <laughs> in, in where they're going. Did it make Hank seem better to you? Like, was that was that the purpose, or was it not? <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> I was I was glad that there was no interaction between Sarah and Hank in this episode. Yeah, we did get a great Amber and Sarah scene, even though it wasn't really about all that much. I just love their chemistry. Oh, fantastic! You know, I don't know if we've talked enough about their banter. I mean, it's obviously amazing. they're always great in any scene they're in. Often they're like sobbing, <laughs> but they're so funny too. Have you heard from Drew? Uh, like specifically or just in general? At all. Yeah, I mean, we talk every once in a while. He's busy. It was How cool, is he? He's, he's good. He all just right. doesn't, you know, I wrote him this big long email and then he sent me a text. By the way, don't send a text in response to an email. That's just rude. And is he it? said, going to class GTG. What does that mean? It means, you know, got to, got to go. What is BRB? Uh, it's be right back. And then here's the biggest insult. Love you. Just, just you, the letter you, not the whole word, just the letter. I gave uh -huh. birth to you. Don't I deserve that Y and the O? Sassy. And thanks. Love it. But seriously, it was. It, what's it, going on? You're very sensitive about this. Of course. This I, know, I want to know what's going else. on. He's gone and I'm just interested, you know, he's not even that far away and it feels like he might as well have gone to you know, the East Coast or something. I wouldn't take the abbreviations personally. I don't think it means... And then he sent me this little yellow smiley face. What mm. is that? A little emoji art for you? You can get that from the I want to send him store. emoji art back. Show me how to okay. do it. Maybe he'll oh, respond to me then. There goes my morning. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I oddly love Sarah feeling old and unhip. <laughs> I, I, I was just like, you know, we've been with her for four seasons now and the cool single aunt can't stay hip forever. Yeah. Her kids are officially grown. She's an empty nester. I like her being insecure about her kids rather than about who she's dating. Yeah. She's going to be insecure. It's who she is. So this is a much yeah. better pivot. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I loved that. And I thought it was interesting to see a scene that was a little bit dated but not in a way where you're like cringing because it's like, oh, Adam's being weird about his daughter and sex. <laughs> like, like, you know, like not in a, this was a scene where it's not like it was dated in an offensive way. It was just like, who says 
emoji art or emoticon art, you know, just yeah. like, like people don't talk like that anymore. And I thought it was just very funny, but it added to Sarah not knowing what the hell was going on. And it was good. Yeah. I feel like now she would know what BRB meant, you know? <laughs> totally. Yeah. She would use it in conversation. Yeah. And the people would be like, you're just supposed to text that. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Our old guest, Ryan, who was my uh, student, he and I used to do this thing on Facebook and I sort of started it. And it was me. It was like a nod to me being old and unhip. And so like on his birthday and stuff, I would be like birthday cake emoji. But I would say that I would like type it out <laughs> and then he would like type it back. It would be like really fun. But I, I enjoy that. I sort of lean into that with with my students sometimes I'm like I don't know what y'all are saying like what are you talking about I don't understand <laughs> you so I enjoy it um Drew good job growing up <laughs> so this is the season when Drew is suddenly I, I thought like super handsome it's true it, you're totally right I remember being sort of startled by that the first time through because he's a cute enough kid but yeah he like Legit looks like a model now. Yeah. Yeah. And he still looks like him. It's not like, whoa, Miles Heiser got some work done over the summer. <laughs> yeah. No. Of course, absolutely not. But it would be funny to watch like the pilot <laughs> and one of these episodes side by side and just see like, oh, he just grew up. <laughs> I mean, it's very People interesting change. how that happens with like actual kids on a show. Like when you start to notice them not looking like like kids anymore or like like when, you know, Jabbar and Sydney start to get a little bit more into like awkward phase as opposed to just like super cutie pie phase. And yeah. and now they're just both so beautiful. Like, you know, it's just it's just life. But it's. How often do we see 15-year-olds on TV who are actually played by like 21-year-olds? So you don't yeah. actually notice that ever. They kind of look the same the whole time. Like I remember I, I loved Party of Five. And I remember that um, Scott Wolf was 26 playing 16. <laughs> and so <laughs> by the time he's playing 20... It's kind of hilarious because he doesn't like he's 30 playing 20 and he looks 30 at that point. I don't know. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. So it's well, like after Parenthood, Miles Heiser was on 13 Reasons Why playing a high schooler again. Yeah, that's true. And I, I just thought I never watched that show. And honestly, one of the reasons was I'm not sure I could believe him as a high schooler. Not because I don't believe people in their 20s as high schoolers all the time, but I haven't with most 20 somethings playing high schoolers watched them actually be high schoolers yeah. for six years prior. You know? Yeah. It's like I, miles Heiser. I know what you looked like when you were 16. Cause I watched you be 16 and it's not this. <laughs> you are reminding me, this is so silly. I'm just looking this up. There's an actress named Bianca Lawson, I believe is her name. And she's been playing a teenager for like 20 or 25 years or something like that. It's really fascinating. She's 42 now. And I can't remember the last time she was on this, but there's like an article about her. I first saw her on Saved by the Bell, The New Class. Did you ever watch that? No, I didn't watch that. But you've told me about her before. She's fascinating. She was then on- Because you've showed me like- 
pictures from yes. like three different decades yeah. in which she's playing like, a teenager. Yeah, she's just got very good genes, I suppose. But I guess she was on Pretty Little Liars, like in her late 30s playing a teenager. <laughs> and people like went with it. I don't know. But yeah, anyway, it, it is an interesting thing. You're totally right that Miles Heiser is the age he's playing. And so just like that happens with my students all the time. I'll like run into them and I'll be like, oh my God, they look like such an adult now because they were so close to being an adult when I taught them. It just takes a couple years and they're all grown up. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, Ryan still around after last season, but not literally around. That's true. He's off in Kandahar or somewhere. We don't know exactly where. He can't tell us. But Betty's back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that leads to this moment at the very end of the episode. Amber. You married me? Yes, of course. I don't know that song, but that's the perfect song. <laughs> I just. Oh, no. And I like Ryan. Yeah. And I like Ryan and Amber together. But all I can think about ever since you, I think, perfectly diagnosed <laughs> their relationship is just. The intensity of it. Yeah. Everything is intense. And now it's like all I can think about with them. Yeah. And, and just watching him march in to that gym and looking for her, I thought, God, this is intense. Yes. They've been separated for months and he was in danger and he couldn't <laughs> tell her where he was. And and good for them for getting through that. Yeah, that's awesome. But it does feel like just nothing is simple and calm for them. It's it's all turned up to 11 yeah. all the time. Yeah. And then he can't just come home. He has to come home and repose. Yes, of course. Oh, my God. Ugh. No, I felt the same way. And I was trying to remember how old is she at this point? Okay, so she gra- she's like 18 in season two, right? Like that's and, when she yeah. graduates. Like, okay. So then let's just do a year, like 19 season three, 20 season four. So she's 21 here, maybe. Or maybe still 20. Or maybe still 20. I mean, people do that. And and happily, I just, yeah, oh, that is young. And her mom married young. And, you know, I, I do, and you're right. The, I mean, wouldn't it make sense for him to come home and for them? Okay, maybe they move in. You know, maybe that's the big step. Yeah. I don't know. It's not like they're or a get devout. breakfast. Yeah. I mean, it's like immediately. I <laughs> <laughs> good to see you again. <laughs> Marriage. Marriage. I, yeah. I mean, she was just worrying with Drew that he wasn't like into her anymore. And that is an interesting thing. Like, it, it would be so weird, I think, to be with someone and they propose and you're so taken aback because you actually thought that they might be losing interest in you. You know, that's so the opposite of my experience because, you know, we were, we got engaged after eight years. I'm not saying go the other way and everyone do that, but I am saying I wasn't like, what? Like by the time, you know, I wasn't like, but I thought you were going to leave me. Um, like, I don't know. Like it's, there's just like, I was in such a stable place and this is sort of the opposite of that where, yeah, it's, it's, everything's fraught. And then I had two thoughts. Number one, is this planned or is this spontaneous? Not that it necessarily matters, but I noticed there wasn't a ring. Not that he could like buy a ring overseas, right? So probably, but I, I did wonder, like, did he plan to do that from the start or was he just like swept up in the moment? I wondered that. It, I took it as the latter. Yeah. Like, 
that would be incredibly emotional. I can only imagine. Yeah. And then you'd see this person you love after so long that it might just pour out of you. Yeah. But then I remembered, do you remember this? At the end of last episode, they looked at like jewelry. There was a montage and their montage was looking at jewelry. Do you think that was meant to be a ring? And do you think it was meant to be like, if this show doesn't make it for a fifth season, we want the idea of perhaps Amber and Ryan getting engaged to be in your heads. And so this was like another dangling thread. They were like, see, we told you it might happen and now it has. It's funny you should mention that because I looked up an article from The Hollywood Reporter that was an interview with Jason Kadams at the end of season four. Hmm. And I forgot to bring it up on our finale last season. Oh, I think I might be glad now. Like that, it's more interesting now. The Hollywood Reporter asks him, Ryan and Amber had one of the biggest moments in the finale and seemed to be shopping for wedding rings. Can we expect Matt Loria to return and them to explore marriage? And Jason Kadam's answer was, the intention of that moment in the montage was supposed to be a very playful moment of them looking at these rings at a time when they felt so positive about their relationship and so in love. But it wasn't like, let's buy one of these rings at that moment. It was a playful moment that could be foreshadowing for next year. Their relationship has been so great. It's something we'd love to continue to explore. I certainly think there's a lot to explore with how that relationship seemed to have so much going on. I'd love to have Matt back. Wish granted, Jason Kadams. All right, well, that's interesting. Okay. But that was like the night the finale aired. I also wonder how truthful that is or... Is he saying that as like a tease? Because they didn't even know they were coming back for another season. Oh, yeah, season. yeah. I don't know, but... Maybe didn't want to give away what was going to be the ending moment of the premiere, you know? Like, yeah. and or maybe he wasn't sure yet, you know? I, I don't know. True. Maybe that interview prompted him to think, oh, I should have them get engaged, shouldn't I? I don't know. It makes me think something interesting about proposing to someone early. It's like, okay, I guess the ideal outcome is they say yes, and you get married, and you're happy and together for the rest of your lives. And that does sometimes happen. But then I think, boy, it's a bit of a risk, isn't it? Because what if Amber didn't say, oh, of course, yes, like crying and and holding him? What if she said, oh, no, I love you. I don't think we're there. And he's just done this in front of everyone. He got down on, you know, his knee, If she'd done that, would they still stay together or would that just like effectively embarrass them into being, you know, breaking up or something? You know, I I just, I think about that sometimes where when, when you're pretty new in a relationship or young or both, if one of them is going to be a little bit more practical and less romantic about it, has that actually sort of altered the course of the relationship because that might be hard to come back from? Like you turned me down kind of thing. I don't know. That I, it, maybe it doesn't matter because she said yes. But I, I just kept thinking like, is this the same Amber who, you know, sort of broke up with him and, you know, needed to take time? This just feels almost uncharacteristic for her to get swept up in the romance. She seems like such a pr- practical person, but I don't know. And how long was he deployed? You know, because... Between January and whenever this is happening, we do think it's been about eight months. So they've been together in some way for the better part of a year. Yeah. 
So it feels what feels very fast to the viewers yeah. is maybe not so fast for the characters. But if six months of that time they were on different continents, yeah, I think that's significant. I do too. It reminds me what you just said about a storyline on Will and Grace when Grace was dating Nathan, played by Woody Harrelson, and he proposed to her very spontaneously while they were having sex. Oh. <laughs> and he argued that it came from a very genuine place because in that moment he was sort of overcome with love for her and he's just spit it out. But she said, you know, I it's supposed to be planned and romantic and I'm supposed to be holding a bouquet of roses, not my own ankles. <laughs> and, and then he had to sort of resolve it by proposing to her in the way that she wanted, I think, or did he even propose or did that break them up? I can't remember honestly where that story went, but it was a debate about, is it better to be planned or is it better to be spontaneous? And I just know for me personally, I would probably fall more on the planned <laughs> side. I would want someone who had deliberated and arrived at a decision to propose to me not someone who in the moment was so overcome with love for me that they asked me to marry them, which I believe is very romantic in its own way, but we're all different and I would like the more deliberative one. I have definitely changed over the years. I remember my favorite wedding scene in anything for a really long time, especially when I was in high school when I first saw this, was in a movie called The Thing Called Love. Have you ever seen that? It was River Phoenix's last movie. No, I haven't. Well, there is a scene with him and Samantha Mathis, and they go to Graceland, and they have this beautiful day together, and it's wonderful, and their relationship is brand new and already tumultuous. <laughs> like, they have already been on and off in the, like, I don't know, month they've known each other. <laughs> like, it had very, very fast. And they stop off at a convenience store, and he, like, puts a bunch of quarters into the machine until he gets, like, a ring. And then I think he's sort of joking. Like, it's just sort of a, not a mean joke, but, like, it's meant to be sort of, like, a performance for, like, the people in the place. And he gets down on one knee and proposes to her. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they leave. But anyway... One of the women working at the convenience store, her brother was a preacher and was like, if you're serious, you could do this right now. You could do it tonight. And then he really loves that idea because it's so romantic. He's like, yeah, let's do that. And she's like, I think this is crazy. But then they get, <laughs> they get married in, in the convenience store. And I used to think that's how I want to get married. Like literally in a convenience store. But like... <laughs> <laughs> not like you plan to get married there, but like you're so overcome with love that you have to get married right then and there, wherever you are, even if it's a convenience store. And now I'm just like, I find it funny how absolutely opposite I am from that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that was clearly my 14 year old idea of what love was. And it was like being overcome with an emotion. And I mean, I have to say that there are times that now I am overcome with how like, lucky I feel, you know, to have found Mark, how grateful I am for him and our relationship. But it's a different thing, I think, than just being swept up in a moment or something. I, I do. I, and, you know, I actually sort of resent the idea that practical isn't romantic. I love that point. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, planning, deliberating, thinking I, this is how we will make a life together. And this is why we'll make it. That is romantic, you know, and, and just kind of 
cobbling it together as you go. Why is that romantic? You know, like, well, yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, best of luck to Amber and Ryan. I'm positive we will <laughs> see more of where this goes. Yes, I know. I know. I, I root for them. It. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, they're sweet. I love them. But yeah, they're it does. Kids. seems like a terrible idea. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Hey, remember when Hank moved to Minnesota? Oh, wait, never mind. He's back. <laughs> that lasted not even a full episode. Although I do try to remember, okay, it lasted an entire summer. Like we spent all yeah. summer not knowing. But yeah, I mean, it's not even a couple episodes in. He's just like, oh, he's back. Yeah. And so, and I wonder how long was the character in Minnesota? I mean, it could have been like seven months. Yeah. If, if his new shop just opened like yeah. a week or two prior, but... Who knows? And it does make me question a little bit. Like, if you were going to have him back, why did you send him to Minnesota? I mean, again, maybe they didn't know. So who knows? But okay, so Hank is back. I did think the show was very, very wise putting him and Max together again. Yes. Because they are a great combo. I mean, better than Hank and Sarah, in my opinion. (laughs) They're hilarious. I'll I'll watch scenes with Hank and Max. That's really intriguing to me. And I don't love either of those characters on their own. Yeah. But that fact that they have some kind of chemistry of their own, and I find really entertaining. I loved it. And I took this clip just because it makes me laugh. I got cream soda. Might be flat, though. It's fine. I like soda when it's flat. All right. I'm just in it for the sugar. It's my model for life. I'm just in it for the sugar. <laughs> I loved that. That's so great. I feel like that had to have been an ad lib. Thumbs up, Ray Romano. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I also thought it was a good idea if he's going to be back. Have him and Sarah broken up. That's interesting. You know, yeah. just fresh start. And, you know, it was it was really interesting. I immediately found him so much more likable than last season. And I think it's like just because it's a little bit removed from the whole Mark thing, because I found that just so upsetting. And so then I was like, how do I feel about the character away from that? Turns out a lot better, you know, and and Ray Romano is really funny. You're right. I mean, I think that it's probably the most charming thing they could have done is pair him with Max and really brings out like just how funny he is. And, you know, I mean, really, that's that's kind of I think what made Sarah start to fall for him was the way he was with Drew. Not all the gross stuff that he said to Drew that she didn't hear, but like, you know, telling him it was okay to be sad sometimes and stuff like I, I think, yeah, he's good with kids. Specifically, Max. <laughs> yeah. 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 Who is not always easy to be good with. Yeah. And I think getting Max interested in photography is like a stroke of genius. Yeah. I continually admire the ways that the show keeps finding to push Max out of his comfort zone mm-hmm. and grow the character into me unexpected ways. Like even that vending machine thing, I was surprised at the way they mined that for more interesting issues, even though I never ended up caring about the <laughs> right. themselves. But like using photography as a means to get him to connect with people. Yeah. That's a wonderful idea. And that came from Hank. Yeah. You should take pictures of people. It made me wonder, I, I would think working with autistic kids would be a lot of that. 
searching for the ways in which they already interact with the world and then adapting your instruction to that interaction. Yeah. Rather than let me teach you how to interact with me. Right. No, let me learn how to get through to you. But I don't know. I'm uh, no training. (laughs) Well, no, but I I remember at the end of last season when he gave Sarah the camera to give to Max and said, yeah, you look down and then you can look into the world, but like without having to make eye contact. And I thought... That's a really beautiful gift. And that actually meant more to me than if he'd gotten Sarah a gift. You know, like sometimes I find that sort of thing, like that's that's romantic. That meant a lot to me that he, you know, someone in It shows real thought. Yes. You know, he really put thought into it. Yeah, compare that with like Gordon, you know, like, I mean, I certainly like Hank more than Gordon. And, you know, all he ever did was just like, you know, really cheesy stuff like show up in a limo and bring her flowers. That's not personalized at all, you know? Yeah. So. And then as you said, it was nice to see the character separate from Sarah. And I thought a really interesting wrinkle that they introduced is to foster a relationship between Hank and a character who isn't Sarah. Yeah. So now that there's this seemingly genuine connection with Max and maybe a really great opportunity for Max to get something out of this relationship that will be really helpful to him, mm-hmm. does Adam owe it in some way to Sarah not to let this go forward? Uh, would that be unreasonable if Sarah didn't want Max hanging out with Hank? Or, or who knows? Oh, that's but, a great question. I didn't even think and of that. And I loved... I thought Adam was very responsible in this scene with Hank, at least broaching the subject. Things did work out in Minnesota, huh? Yeah, well, the weather sucks there, so. Yeah. But you moved there for your daughter, right? Yeah, I did, but, uh... All right, here's the thing. As soon as I got there, my ex-wife and I started to argue, and everybody's upset. Is that better for my daughter that I'm there? Well, I'm sorry, that was a good thing you did, but it had to be a tough decision to come back. Yeah, it wasn't easy, but it's okay. Listen, I want to pay you for fixing Max's camera, so how much do I owe you? No, you don't owe me anything. It wasn't even broken. Well, I'm, I'm not comfortable not paying, so if you could tell oh, me how okay. much. Oh, okay, it's uh, $1,425. <laughs> come on, it's nothing. All right. It's nothing. Thank you. Don't worry about it. The shutter was all jammed, right. that's all it was. Well, listen, I know Max was here for over two hours, and I want you to know you don't have to entertain him. You know, he can be real persistent, so if you want him to leave, you just tell him to leave. I know, I know, I know all about that. I, he was okay, you know? He looked around, he asked some questions. I didn't mind it. Huh. Uh, listen, it, it, I just want, I'm sure this isn't what it is, but I just really want to be sure that you're not hanging out with Max hoping you can get back together with my sister. I mean, that's not what, I'm sure that's not what it is, but. Well, I, 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 are you serious now? Are you serious about this? Look, she just, she said you were really hurt when she broke up with you. A, a mutual breakup. It was a mutual breakup. Hank, I know she broke up with you. Uh, look, I'm going to clear this up for the whole family, okay? Okay. Okay, I went away, and of course, people move on. Sure. And I get that. And people have to, uh, have to find themselves. And that's okay with me. Okay. I'm okay with it. We're friends. That's a mutual breakup. Okay. I got it. Me- yeah. Mutual. But well, now what? You think I'm using Max to get to her? I, I got to be honest. I, I don't know what to say. The kid likes photography, you know that? He came in here, he had some pictures he took, and he's not bad. You don't want him here, that's fine. Just, I don't care, take him out of my radius, that's all. Look, you know, you having him in here, I didn't know his interest in photography was that great, and quite frankly, he can be, you know, a bit of a... What, he's a pain in the ass? He's not. 
He's not. You, I don't know about. You're on the fence. <laughs> I loved that scene a lot. Yeah. And I thought it was a really legitimate concern mm-hmm. that maybe Hank was doing that. And I, I get why Hank would be offended by that. But I thought it would be irresponsible for Adam not to ask that question. I thought, as as a parent. Not not me as a parent. <laughs> Adam as a parent. Right. But I thought, yeah, you got to make sure, you know, Max should not be a pawn in some scheme. Right. And as long as he isn't, then I think green light. Yeah. Let's have him interested in photography. Yeah. No, and I also thought it was smart of the show to have Adam ask that so that... Yeah. Hank can just make it real clear. And I I believe him. I really I do. I think that, you know, maybe it's because we were privy to the scene, the scenes between those two and Adam wasn't. But I think anyone who saw them interact knows that that's genuine. That's them getting yeah. along. And, you know, I mean, Hank has a hard time getting along with people just like Max does. And, you know, I mean, I think at one point it was like me wondering if Sarah was his only friend. And Max didn't make his first friend Micah until very recently. I mean, so I think, I don't know, like earlier you were like, what if Sarah had a problem with this? And I have very mixed feelings about that. Because on the one hand, I see what's like happening in the news right now with like Kanye and <laughs> and Kim Kardashian and how, you know, I mean, it's like basically like harassment, you know, and it's kind of framed right now as like entertainment, but it's like deeply concerning that he just keeps inserting himself in her life and he doesn't have to, he's the father of her kids. So he's, he's in her life, but he's, you know, taken it too far. It's upsetting. And if I thought that Hank were doing that, then I think Sarah would have every right to be like, nope, shut this down. We need boundaries. I I said no to him and we need to be apart. And that doesn't mean he gets to hang out with people in my family. But if, but if it's like what Hank is saying, like, I don't actually believe Hank that it was mutual, but if it was like no hard (laughs) (laughs) feelings, like I think she broke up with him, but I do think that if there are no hard feelings and they're just not together anymore, then I think Sarah wouldn't have a problem with this if it's something good for Max. And, and I think it's lovely. So as long as there's no bad beef there, I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Although I disagree with you on one point. Yeah. And maybe it's not a disagreement. I'm not sure I understand what happened. Oh, yeah. Hank kept arguing that it was a mutual breakup. And then Sarah is apparently saying she broke up with him. To me, I I felt like it couldn't be plainer that he broke up with her. Oh, he yeah. He moved. But I was interpreting the end of season four as they were broken up. Oh, yeah. And he initiated that. It sounds like maybe I'm wrong that they tried to have a relationship long distance for for a while. And if that's the case, then yeah, perhaps she was the one to finally say, This isn't working. But if that didn't happen, I'm like, no, Sarah, you got dumped and fired (laughs) in the same speech. Like (laughs) But I I don't think it really matters either, but But it's it's quite vague, isn't it? Because like the first time they say they love each other is the last time they see each other in Berkeley before he moves. And so I wouldn't know what that meant, I don't think. And I think it was probably... But he also says, come with me. So I guess in like the course of one episode, he broke up with her, 
fired her, told her he loved her, and asked her to move in with him. (laughs) He's a confusing fellow. Yeah. That's why I liked the stability of Mark. But whatever, new season, who this? Um, And we're just moving on. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of confusing fellows. I'm not here to ask you to work for my campaign. Okay. You're not. That's good because the last one we we lost. I'd like you to run it. Okay, um, that's really nice of you. I have so, I know that education is your passion. It is. I know that there are changes that you want to implement. There are, but. There is no better place to affect change on a municipal level than for the mayor's office. And when we win, you are not just going to be my advisor, but the education will be your domain. And I promise you, I will not hate on any of your family members, (laughs) including your husband. (laughs) Please don't. Christina. You have been through hell and back. Let's do something great together. I have no idea how we're supposed to feel about Bob Little. I remember being confused the last time I watched because I remember thinking, I thought we were supposed to like Bob Little. Didn't we end on him being like, I'm not a bad guy and Christina basically like agreeing and it was sort of the redemption of Bob Little. This makes me feel like, so everything we thought about... (laughs) Bob was right, huh? Like we were, we were right. But at the same time, that actor is very earnest and appealing. I was glad to have Jonathan Tucker on the show, but I, I feel like this is happening a lot where I'm like, I like the guy who plays Carl, not sure about Carl. (laughs) I like Ray Romano, not sure about Hank. I like Jonathan Tucker, not sure about Bob Little. That's, that's happening a lot. Likeable actors playing people I'm not sure about. I love, love, love bringing back guest stars from many moons ago. Yeah. It, to me, it makes the world of the show feel very real, that the people we saw just for a stretch seasons ago have still been existing this whole time. Oh, and yeah. They, they weave back in unexpectedly. So I agree with you, I think, in terms of I like that the character is around. Yeah. But I also don't know how the show is wanting us to perceive Bob. Although the sideways glances from Adam kind of give me a hint. Yeah. <laughs> but I I felt like he was not to be trusted. But I had forgotten what you just said, that when he exited, you know, end of season three, I think we were supposed to feel like, ah, oh, it's a shame that that relationship kind of foundered before it could really bloom yeah (laughs) and i think you are right and but so maybe in that intervening year maybe the show kind of learned that people had perceived it differently i wonder i wonder too because like i said i felt like he was not trustworthy in this episode not evil no and but it was kind of how i felt re-watching the season three Mm storyline you know i feel like you and i were both more (laughs) dubious about it than the show was. Yeah. This is not a good idea. This is bad, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was quite torn because I thought what he was offering her sounded pretty good. And I, I'm just now realizing as I'm talking to you, here's, I think what I wish the show would have done instead of having her run on her own, which is like very cool, but not maybe super believable. I think it would have been interesting if she had done it, even though Adam disapproved, 
I love the idea of her doing something Adam disapproves of. Oh. And then I also think it would be really interesting for her to be like sort of working for someone she doesn't entirely trust and just like navigating the, I don't know, like what does that look like? You know, because often in politics, I think you have to sort of like, quote unquote, get into bed with people you don't see eye to eye with and you know would be would running the education mean so much to her that she would go get it through these means because this is the most realistic way it could happen I don't know and I'm not saying I think people should give up their integrity or anything but I do think that sometimes we're just kidding ourselves if we think that there's like a squeaky clean politician out there that we can all look to as a messiah or something which is somehow sometimes how it's presented like sorry this might be some of my bitterness about Hillary Clinton like coming coming back <laughs> but you know like I I think it would I think that could have been really interesting I mean it sure seems like more of a feminist yeah moment for her to run against him instead but I just think I would have bought it a lot more if she was like this is a great opportunity I know I don't totally trust him but it's not like he's gonna hit on her you know like the thing that happened with Amber I don't think that would happen again at least not with someone in her family yeah it could totally happen with some other and wouldn't that be an interesting place where she sees that happening with someone else and then she's like you know what I can't and then like very dramatically you know quits or so I don't know it's funny you say that because like Huma Abedin wrote a book recently the wife of Anthony Weiner oh, or the ex-wife. Right, right. Weiner. And she was, you know, Hillary Clinton's right-hand man for a long time. And I haven't read the book, but I've seen her do a lot of press about it. Yeah. Where she, you know, after his first scandal, she stayed with him. Yeah. They had a new baby and she really believed in the causes he was fighting for. And she still thought he was an effective champion of those causes. Yeah. And so there were lots of factors keeping her with him. And so she put her trust in him again. And then it happened again. And anyway, it just feels like a little bit what you're saying. And it is certainly fascinating, you know. Yeah. That would have been an interesting route to go. And now I'm going to argue against myself because how can I still like Hillary Clinton so much? I do. I don't know. Maybe someday I'll change my mind. But I like uh, Bill Clinton less and less all the time. I'm like, that's interesting. Maybe I'll eventually feel the same way about her. But I mean, I really used to buy into that idea of like, oh, bad husband, but good president, you know, and, and think perhaps you could separate the two. And now I think I'm more realizing it wasn't bad husband. It was like bad man, bad person, you know? And and so now I'm wondering that with Bob Little as well, that maybe, maybe Adam is right to be concerned and maybe Christina is right ultimately to agree with him. But I also just really like the idea of how often do you get to just run a totally clean campaign, which I'm sure is what Christine is about to do. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm also like, I don't know why I find it sort of unbelievable. Do you like, do you think that she could totally just run for mayor? Like maybe, I mean, what does it take to run for public office? I don't know. I don't, it, what's funny is Christina running for mayor lives in my memory of the show as one of the great all time Huh? Storylines. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> of just like totally preposterous. Okay. But this time around, I feel like it was hard to think of it that way. I was just thinking, well, we've known since season one yeah. that Christina's background was in politics. 
Adam told Hattie when Hattie was dismissive of her mom's abilities. Here's what your mom did and took her to that park or wherever. We've watched her work on two campaigns. Yeah. One over the course of many episodes. I thought introducing this whole storyline through Bob Little's return. That was smart. Felt like a very natural way to do it. And then using her cancer experience to motivate her to take the shot felt very plausible too. Yeah. Well, you put it that way. And I actually really yeah. admired her explanation to Adam. You know how you were talking to me about Bob Little and you're like, oh, don't go to work. Hey, honey, I thought we talked about this, person. okay? I, I thought we shut this down. And I'm agreeing with you. Okay, I good. think that, you know what? Oh, God. I don't want to go to work for somebody that I don't respect and I don't good. admire, so I've decided not to run his campaign. Excellent. However, oh. I have decided to run against him. <laughs> what? I'm going to run for mayor of Berkeley. Christina, you can't be serious. I, I'm serious. Think about it. I mean, I've, I've gone to work for these people before. Why not do it for myself? Christina, you keep saying to me... I know you've worked in politics, but you've never run for an office. You've never run for a... And this is the perfect Certainly not time. a major office this like the, the mayor of Berkeley. This is the perfect opportunity to do so, Adam. And talking with Gwen last night... All right, Christina, night, stop. I, I get it. I get it. You're charged up. You want to seize the day. But let's talk about whether this is realistic, that, okay? Adam, is this the best time to do this? Of course not. It's not the best time to do this. No, I want Nora to be a little bit older. You know, I things are crazy. I would crazy. like you they're to take chaotic. a little more they're, time. They're since... scattered. I want to have like a thousand clean scans. I want to be cured. I I want Max to be thriving. I want our right. marriage to be even better. It's great, but I right. I, I know too. that so this is. So we should wait. You should start. No, smaller. I'm not going to wait. Can't... This is a good time. I'm not going to wait. It has to be now. It I has want to be now. So. <laughs> even if you wanted to do this, there's got to be some sort of a deadline there for is. filing. You can't just tomorrow at noon. This is real. This is real. Her whole explanation reminded me so much of season one. Is it season one? When she went and worked for her friend's campaign just yes. for one episode. Yes. And then got offered a job and turned it down because Hattie was still in high school and Max had just been diagnosed and needed extra attention and it just wasn't the right time. This felt like such a different Christina. And I bought the change. And... Cancer would do that, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. I feel like the Christina of previous seasons would have been choked up or crying through all of that. Yeah. And here she was just, no, I'm not going to do that. And But not deluded, at Ooh. least I don't think, because when he says this is not the best time, she agrees. Mm -hmm. But I think her point of there's always going to be a reason not to do it. Yeah. So let's just do it now. I, it was kind of inspiring to me. And yet there is still a, a nagging feeling of disbelief. I don't know. Maybe it's just that Berkeley is not a small town. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's a town of over 100,000 people. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what it is. You know, if she were running for mayor of Wasilla, Alaska, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, sure, go for it. Yeah. Or you, mayor of Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. you know, if, if Kansas, yeah. where we grew up. That I would believe. This is... A major city. But it was less unbelievable to me this time around, though. So I, I don't know. Well, I was trying to remember, what did Bob Little run for and lose last time? Was it city council? Council, I think. Yeah, I, I guess I don't know enough about politics either to, to know, like, what's the proper order usually? You know, like, my friend Grant, he ran for state rep. You know, I'm, I'm like, 
I, I think that maybe that was the only thing that made it feel a little less believable to me was it felt like such a big thing to run for first, but maybe it's not. It's not like she's running for president. Yeah. yeah. Well, the current mayor of Berkeley is named Jesse Areguin. Apologies if I mispronounced his name. He served on the Berkeley Housing Commission and Rent Stabilization Board from 2004 to 2009 and then represented District 4 on the Berkeley City Council from 2009 to 2016. Yeah. And then he was elected mayor in 2016. So it does seem like that is maybe a common path. Yeah. You serve serve in city government at a lower level. Yeah. And then rise. And yeah, that's astute. Christina has not done that, at least not recently. I think that's it. But then, of course, it's a little unfair when you really think about it, because it's like, should a parent, whether she's a whether it's a mother or a father, you know, should a parent be sort of held back from opportunities because they put their family, you know, first? And also, as Pete says earlier, you know, like has the luxury, you know, because that is that is a privilege yeah. and a luxury, you know, to be able to do that. But I, you know, then I think it's a hard world out there sometimes and people do look to experience. And so I think that was maybe why I questioned how realistic it was and why even though I was pretty much on the side of Bob Little is bad a couple seasons ago, why I kind of thought maybe she should consider it because I thought that felt realistic. Someone she had a connection with who would hire her for something. And I thought that would be an interesting storyline, like... To what degree do you need to trust the the people you you know, who are you going to get you to those positions? Even when she said, and maybe someday I could run myself, I thought that feels more realistic to me. If she runs the education, d- you know, department working for Bob Little, and the whole time she hates it, but then she's like, now I get to do it on my own. However, the more I'm talking to you about it, the more I like all the reasons why you said that it felt more realistic this time around than than in the past. And I have to say, maybe part of the reason I kind of wanted her to work for Bob was because Adam didn't want her to so much. <laughs> and I found that annoying. Like when like you and I were talking during that clip of, you know, him saying like, I thought we shut this down, honey. And I'm like, don't talk to her like that. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. yeah she can do whatever she wants. She's not your child. Oh, yeah. Well, shouldn't talk to his kids like that either, but. Yeah, but I hated it's that. It's funny now though, but like, where did Bob Little get the chutzpah to run True. for mayor? He's a child. He's he was yeah. twenty eight. Where years does ago. anyone? And it's I'm, it's occurring to me now, politics is still a very male dominated yeah, field, good point. and I think it is a much more male trait in general mm-hmm. to be impulsive and I alone can fix it right. kind of feelings, <laughs> and it's much more female to be practical and yeah. pragmatic. And I will run his campaign. I won't run for mayor myself and and then maybe someday I can do it and I wonder if that's an element of that sometimes that that's how you end up with egomaniacs in politics because you you have to think I'm what everyone needs I'm what will fix this well that's a pretty arrogant thing and it's probably something a lot more men think than women so I also kind of admire her like, yeah, Christina, go for it. Yeah. Who's oh. to, and if you can't convince people, then you don't get the job. Yeah. But maybe you can. Yeah. And you even won't though, know. But I, even as I say this, I'm still like, what are you nuts? <laughs> you know? But I would never run for anything. So no. again, I have a hard time imagining. But I have heard before, like what you were saying, it makes me think of like, I think, I mean, obviously there's a pay gap, but 
if you if you look into it, I mean, I, I feel like I've read before that part of the reason is that men ask for more money at the start, and they're more likely to ask for raises and believe they deserve them. And you know, women are more likely like just oh, what whatever I can get is great, you know. And and I think yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, Bob Little is not some seasoned professional either. He's all of what thirty years old now, and, and he didn't serve on city council. He lost. He lost. <laughs> he lost that race. Yeah. So what is he going to? What point is to. his experience? Yeah. Like, what did he do before? Dog catcher? <laughs> and is so, that still in the office? I no. don't know. <laughs> but yeah, these are these are great points. And so maybe I'll actually really like that she ran. And you know what? She stuck it to Adam still because he didn't like that idea either. So as long as she does something that Adam doesn't want her to do, I'm happy. Um, <laughs> because you know what? He said yes to Crosby in the luncheonette. Without running it by her, I do remember that. And when he's talking about how unrealistic this is, I ask myself now, Melissa, is this storyline less realistic than the luncheonette opening up and becoming a huge success and someone offering a million dollars to buy it? (laughs) You know what? No. So it's fine. Yeah. So I take it back. I think I have come around and I'm glad she's doing this, but I had to like work my way through it. Um, So thank you for helping me do that. I also very much enjoyed her scene with Gwen. And I remember from the last time I watched this series, feeling like Gwen's influence on Christina felt exaggerated. Maybe that she, uh, oh, Gwen, Gwen Gwen is my best friend. I'm like, wasn't Gwen in three episodes? (laughs) But we'll see how it pans out. I forget how much Gwen is in the show going forward. But I already feel differently about her just because we have noticed and made such a big deal out of the fact that none of the Bravermans have friends. I felt the same way watching this. You know, Crosby had Billy for one episode as his best man, and Amber had Kelsey for a few. Yeah. Hattie had those (laughs) practically nameless girls at her sleepover. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, gym class. But watching Christina confide in Gwen about her husband, you know, Adam's not on board, and about her job prospects, it just felt like a revelatory development. Like a Braverman made a friend. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I liked Gwen's advice. The phrase, this is not the dress rehearsal, has actually stuck with me since I first watched the show. I think about that at times. I think this is it. Yeah. Do it. I noticed the same thing. I wrote down, is this Christina's first friend? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I said, I'm realizing that Gwen might be Christina's first actual friend we've seen. You know, because the Lessings are played for laughs, she doesn't actually like them, you know, and this is powerful. I even I forgot them when I was right. making a list of friends. <laughs> yeah, they're. I mean, making Amanda Foreman is not forgettable, but Sue. Yeah, they're is. great in their yeah function. They're very funny, but their function is not to be friends of Adam and Christina. No, and you know, I actually think it's really good for Christina to have a friend who tells her not to just do whatever Adam says and in a respectful way. Like I remember last season, she even says like, he's a keeper or something like that, or says, you know, he, he's wants to, this is good. He wants to fix it, but the bad thing is already happening. You know, like, I don't think she's dismissive of Adam. I think she she, recognizes his worth. Yeah. I think she just doesn't want to let Christina get away with calling him the boss or something, you know, she's like, no, no, this is your life and your decision. 
And I think Christina needs to hear that because the only time we've really ever heard her say that was after the whole Rachel thing, you know, and she's like, I've always been Mrs. Braverman while well, I'm, I'm done with it. And that's when she goes to work for Bob Little in the first place. Yeah. And then, you know, I think last season because of her cancer and I'm sure other things that sort of got, you know, dropped and she was just focused on staying healthy. But now she seems to be well. And I think it's good for her to remember she is in charge of her own life and yeah. she is not just his dutiful wife. I don't know. I don't like the way he talks to her because it's so subtle that I missed it in the past. You know, he's and he's presented as like this wonderful man. And I do think he is mostly good. I, I really it's not like I hate him now or something. But I yeah, do, we spent like all last season praising Adam and he deserved it. He did. Yeah. I just see him much more th- three-dimensionally now. I used to just almost think he was boring. He was so good and steadfast. And now I think he's much more interesting, but I also think he's more well-rounded than I used to think as well. And I think that some of that goodness can be, like you said, sanctimonious. (laughs) And it can be a little condescending. And not just to Christina, but to Hattie and to Crosby, you know, to lots of people. And so, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing for sure. But yeah, I was very touched by that scene with Gwen. And it helps, I'm sure, that I love that actress, you know, and I, I she she carries with her all of this weight from like Gilmore Girls and just me being fond of her. So I'm sure that that, that helps. Yeah. I was struck by this episode feeling much lighter than previous seasons. There were several things that made me laugh. I mean, like Amber and Sarah mm-hmm. that I played and that sugar clip. And Sydney knowing about the profit margin. Oh, yeah, that was funny. Just all sorts of little things peppered throughout. Part of it, I'm sure, is just that this is the season premiere. We're not yeah. deep enough into any of the stories to be super heavy yet. But I also feel like the stories that are presenting themselves have to be lighter. Like, Last season, Christina had breast cancer. Now she's running for mayor. Yeah. That's going to be a lighter storyline. May- her mayoral run is not going to be life and death. Right. <laughs> Last season, Julia was trying to bring a nine-year-old boy into her family. Now she's trying to get a job. Okay, those are different stakes. Yeah. Sarah was emotionally cheating on her fiancé. Now she's managing an apartment building, flirting with a creep, and learning how to text. Like, (laughs) lighter. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. I think that was absolutely intentional, or at least it felt intentional, because while I'm glad the show went to those more serious places, and in a lot of ways, season four, like we've said, might, might even be the strongest season, there's a reason that season three was my favorite, um, at least so far. And I think I, I really personally love balance. I think it's interesting when there are like text, like layers, like the, the, the text has layers and shades and nuance. And I like when it's, there are funny parts and serious parts. And last, last season, sometimes it felt I, I will say I remember being like, okay, time to go watch the next episode with a, right. a little bit like that instead of, oh, yeah, let's watch that. Let, you know, and, and I, it makes sense. And so maybe they were like, let's have everyone remember how fun the Bravermans can yeah. be. <laughs> so, yeah. And as we said, it's 22 episodes. We've got a long way to go, and I'm sure it will not be light the whole time. No, I'm sure. I remember enough about the season to know 
it didn't just turn into modern family. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, but I really loved it. I thought it was a great premiere. I thought it did a lot of really good work. Like, letting us know how much time had passed. I felt like people, it made sense why they were in whatever headspace they were in. It felt really lived in. Even even like Hank being back, um, we got a pretty reasonable explanation for that. I believe that he would go there and he and his ex-wife would have fought a lot. They have a terrible yeah. relationship, you know, and I could see him thinking that was the right move until he got there and then realizing maybe not. I also appreciated that it took like three quarters of the episode before we got that explanation. Yeah. That we had multiple scenes with him. Well, was it multiple? At least one. Yeah. Before we understood what he was doing there. And that to me felt like the show trusting the audience to go, to with go it. without answers for even just a little bit rather than, hey, big brother. Yeah. Like, we will find out what Hank is doing back here yeah. soon enough. And we can <laughs> bear it until then. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I am usually so bad with like details. And of course, doing the podcast and taking notes and watching everything twice, just paying a lot better attention this time around. I actually don't know that if in the past I realized that he was in an entirely different space than season four. Like, Me too. I, I was the same. Cause I was like, Oh wow, this is a different building. Yeah. He did, I guess, get rid of that other place as he would have needed to. Yeah. Uh, it was a good idea because yeah, he was like, I'm going to sell it. You know? And so it was smart. And but now I, does he have a separate home too? Yeah. I hope so. It was a prerequisite. He had to find a place that had an upstairs. Li- I actually can't remember. <laughs> um, I don't remember. I feel like that's important that, you know, you shouldn't live where you work. I don't know. It's like a shit where you eat kind of thing. <laughs> I, <you know. laughs> or maybe it just means. Dedicated that, spaces. Yeah. Maybe you're too likely to get really sucked into work and making work your entire life. Or yeah. Just be a hermit. Yeah. Possibly. I don't know. But Anyway, I really did love it. Me too. I think it's off to a good start. Yeah. And I'm really excited about certain storylines. Now, after talking to you, I'm more excited about Christina running for mayor. That was the one that I'm like, am I excited about that? But I was legit excited about, like, what will it be like with Julia? Is she going to get a job or not? You know, and and can she? When she even says, I'm just going to play the supportive wife, I thought... You can do that for a dinner, but how, you know, like that will be fascinating. And well, and if Joel, I mean, we guess we didn't really talk much about Joel, but he's landed this huge job. So it's not even just that she is having career trouble. She will be having career trouble right when he is having tremendous success. Yes. And that is. Have we really seen that outside of just like an episode or two before. No. I don't think so. And I I feel like in many ways the show has been gearing up for this all along. Like, that might sound really weird, but like, we yeah, just spending an episode or something about it, like, I, I it still haunts me, Joel saying to her, you don't want me to work ever. Like, we yeah. never got payoff with that. And I feel like maybe now we will. You know, like, this is fascinating and Anyway, that's all I'll say. And I'll also say that um, Crosby not being connected to his baby, I don't even know if that's going to get like, I I genuinely don't remember if that gets like resolved next episode or if that takes a little while. I don't think it takes forever because I don't remember it being like, and then Crosby never loved his daughter. You know, like I, (laughs) I, I am sure that at some point that gets settled, but I really don't remember how or when. And I think that's interesting. It feels very real. And Amber and Ryan, that might be what I'm most excited about, not because I think it's a good idea, but because I think it's a bad idea. And it'll be very interesting to see how everyone in her life, like, responds to that. 
So yeah, yeah. I'm genuinely excited about the future. I'll Me be too. like, I'm going to go watch that next episode. See, I'm not like, oh, let's go watch Cancer some more. See, yeah. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> yeah. We hope you'll come with us for all the remaining episodes. Yay. Loyal listeners. I mean, you've come this far and I feel like we haven't changed yeah, the product. Yeah, come on, you're in. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. It does mean the world. And uh, please find us on social media, Parenthood Pals on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Leave us a rating, send us an email. We love it. Tell a friend about the podcast. Send them back to season one and make them start all over and catch up. That's right. It's a fun use of time. People tell us that. They really do. Walks, runs, household chores, commutes. We're there for you We're any time of day. That's right. <laughs> Check out all of our info at parenthoodpals.com. Until next time, may God bless and keep you always. And may your wishes all come true.